and welcome to the Daily Ratings Podcast. It's a show where each week we'll sit down with Vincent Daly to get his thoughts on the latest movies he's been watching, both older films and new releases. And don't worry, there's no spoilers. Vince will give a brief review of the movie, share some thoughts, and of course, then rate the film. The Daily Ratings are always fair, honest, and most importantly, they're consistent. On today's show, Vince will be rating and reviewing Mission Impossible 3, directed by J.J. Abrams. Mission Impossible, Ghost Protocol, Brad Bird. We have Mission Impossible, Rogue Nation. Mission Impossible, Fallout. And newly released, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 1. All three of those films directed by Christopher McQuarrie. It's going to be a great show, folks, so stay tuned and enjoy. Vincent Daly, how we doing? Thomas, how's it going? This is a big week we got here. <laughs> like I cruising for a bruising this <laughs> I week. I couldn't be more excited. I'm very excited for this week. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, folks, uh, before the show, I was saying, oh boy, it was a little pulling teeth this episode, uh, getting the movies done. But I think and I was it just, surprised me. That I was surprised just burnt me. out on, on action, but these were all like definitely good movies uh, much better than the insidious franchise probably by the numbers as well much better than the than the uh yeah if you take the average yeah if you take the average out yeah i i think it was you're going through i mean how many series have you done (laughs) no well three weeks in a row was just a lot Mm -hmm. it's definitely a lot like i want to watch westerns i want to watch what i want to watch (laughs) i enjoyed this week yeah i don't know if you want to wait for each movie (laughs) what what do i watch what do i not watch okay First time ever, I watched every single film no! this week. No! Wow. I'll just tell you right off the bat. We don't have to save the suspense. Okay. I'll tell okay. you right now. I watched every film. I, I I won't have a Tommy Two, two okay. Tommy Two Shoes, you know. We can't we can't just be handing those out. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, right. Um, so at least I'll surprise you with what I got with those. Oh, that's um, great. I started it. How was it? I started it last week. <laughs> right. So I was more excited for it. Okay, yeah. And I also had more time because I don't have to deal with Insidious. Yeah, so I watched yeah. like two last week and I watched three oh, this past nice, week. Oh, nice, nice. Which helped me out. Yeah. But uh, I got there last night That's great 10 p.m showing got out of there <laughs> after one o'clock a.m <laughs> 1 a.m it was humble just you know do it for the show <laughs> do, it do it for, it for the, the show. show we do it for the show had a blast watching these actually yeah had a yeah. blast so well, it'll be definitely more conversational here mm-hmm. i'll know a little bit more than what i knew about the insidious movies <laughs> <laughs> I think that's great though because you're such a big Bond fan, and Boy. At, especially with these latter five, there are times that it lines up one to one, and it's like, wow, these guys were these these films were going head to head. Yeah, a little bit like know? which one's the copycat? Yeah, you know, true. Chicken and the egg, which one came first? Right, right. This, yeah, it, it's Mission Impossible, Born, mm. Bond, and a little bit of John Wick all kind of play a little sure. bit hand in hand. Sure. Here. So. Definitely in the back of my mind. Yeah. So I, I'm excited to get into it. Any other opening notes that you have, or I mean, uh, we'll just go through. It for a Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> that was the only joke I had. We talked about the full Tom Cruise circle, the full Tom circle before or the Cruise circle. <laughs> yeah. When I was little, little, loved him. Right. Then I hated him, and uh-huh. I'm back to full on since Fallout, basically sure. 28 full Tom Cruise. I'm on the Tom Cruise cruise train right now. <laughs> right. Um, and I think you've. 
are coming full I think circle. so, yeah. Uh, so much so that I can even tolerate the more annoying pieces of, uh, you know, of, of his acting. Yes. <laughs> his, his sociopathic ways. Uh, his, his laser-guided eyes. As, as I will. <laughs> and the running. There's so much oh, Tom yeah. Cruise running. There's been a lot of think pieces around all this running that he does. And they're, they're saying that Tom Cruise is the is the running mm-hmm. actor. Like, he runs in, in every one of his films. And it's like, and yeah, it's, I guess yeah. he does. It's the way he know? runs. I mean, you could say what's his face um uh robert De- <laughs> robert de niro used to be the the quintessential smoker oh yeah, sure great at smoking in movies absolutely he's dropped that in recent years yeah uh but tom cruise running yeah brad pitt eating mm, yep yep you eating one acting I, I think that's good yeah tom cruise in the running so good we so have good. director trademarks and now we have actor <laughs> trademarks um <laughs> And Mission Impossible is fun because each one is really its own thing. But we all—I feel like each one totally has its own Tom Cruise persona. Yes, he uh, he evolves quite a bit. Uh, Sometimes better, sometimes worse. But uh, he definitely does shift a lot in this. And we talked about it already with one and two. Well, Mm -hmm. for you at least, there was a huge leap between one and two. (laughs) Yeah, as far as quality movie and type of movie. Right. Uh, That was a few weeks back. That was during our. Forget what else we did. Uh, That was, I think, Asteroid City uh, episode. Oh, that's right. So it's a few episodes back. If you want to catch. Mission Impossible 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. We're sticking with uh, 3 through whatever this is, 16. <laughs> right. So. <laughs> 3 through 16. Don't, don't speak it into existence. Yeah. It will happen. Cruz well, will be a floating brain in a tube before he lets the Mission Impossible Did you hear? Did you hear? I think that guy spends a lot of money on trying to. He doesn't He doesn't spend money on de-aging digitally. <laughs> He's dealing with de-aging just naturally. In real, yeah. Uh, that dude wants to live forever. But did you hear what he said? No. He said. He was asked about Harrison Ford or something like that, and he's just like – or he's asked about how long he wants to do right, this. Right. How long does he want to be a big actor? Mm-hmm. And he's just like, well, look, Harrison Ford, he's 80, 81. He goes, I want to be doing Mission Impossibles in my 80s. I want to be doing – so he's in. No. If anybody thought – if anyone thought Dead Redding in Part 2 was the last – Right, he's going to be the end. Highly doubt it. Oh, boy. Oh, um, boy. And barring he doesn't die on set. <laughs> yeah, or during a, during a stunt. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. So, okay, folks. All right, so Vin, with that, let's get started. <laughs> Got it loaded. Now, I'm not a stranger to disrespect. You don't get to where I am without developing a thick skin. But what I won't stand for, what I will lose sleep over, and I love my sleep, is the idea of an irresponsible rogue agent working in my office. So I'm going to slow things way down here. You can look at me with those judgmental, incriminating eyes all you want, but I bullshit you not. I will bleed on the flag to make sure the stripes stay red. <laughs> One of my favorite movie quotes oh, really? in all of cinema from Lawrence Fishburne. He's Vin. great. This is Mission Impossible 3, directed by our boy J.J. Abrams. Oh, man. It's 2006, and let's just jump into it right away. <laughs> uh, yeah, Fishburne is great in this. Uh, and it's our first J.J. film on the podcast. Um, what? Yeah, we haven't covered any J.J. Abrams films on wow. the podcast. And not that he's like directing a huge amount. I guess he's on that Hot Wheels project after... He well, is. I guess pending if Barbie is going to be successful <laughs> or not. Um, and while by 2006, J.J. himself uh, has had plenty of experience in writing and, of course, with the colossal hit show Lost, um, this is his first feature film as well and comes out swinging. Yeah. I think this was a good film. Uh, Mission Impossible 3 surprised me because I was kind of worried of its dated elements just like – 
I was I was against the dated elements of the first one, and yeah. then even praised the dated <clears throat> elements of the second one. You know, with John Woo and everything. I, so. I think Mission Impossible Three in general is a very weird middle child to the whole franchise. Yeah. One and two was very early. I mean, obviously it's the first two, right? But just even effects that are used, mm-hmm. kind of the whole style and the feel behind it. Yep. And then, of course, with four going on to what we have now, taking on a newer kind of action mm-hmm. era. And this was a good little middle child. This yeah. was a good 2006. I think, yeah. J- I, I, JJ's hot right now. Uh, exactly. And I think it it, it shows that uh, JJ just knows what he's doing. And obviously, that'll continue into his producing uh, of the franchise alongside Mr. Cruz. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> uh, riding alongside with them is longtime collaborator Alex Kurtzman, uh, which had me a bit nervous, <laughs> if I'm being honest. Kurtzman has become a bit of an infamous figure uh, in his recent career. Uh, mostly the direction that new Star Trek has taken. Uh, But I'm happy to say it's all good here. People may bash this film because of Kurtzman and his involvement, but I I think, honestly, the script is one of the strongest parts of Mission Impossible 3, and I think that's saying a lot for just an otherwise (laughs) dumb action movie in the mid-2000s. So with with Kurtzman, you're saying like the cringy new like CBS Plus or whatever, Paramount Plus stuff. Basically everything Star Trek Beyond and Beyond um, has been Kurtzman's love child okay so. was he on lost as well right uh, yeah yeah a long time so he started well oh, so he started well with jj yeah okay. uh, and and granted i mean uh, in that space uh, jj kurtzman's writing style will be criticized for a mystery box style basically creating the promise of something but not really thinking it through in the moment just hmm. how we need to get to the end we need to get to the conclusion of what's in the box interesting um honestly i've never really done a deep dive on that type of uh, criticism of it so I'm going to put that to the side for now, yeah. but there is uh, there is uh, a, a, some bad uh, th- th- there's some baggage between the, the two of them collaborating basically. Well, with the early days, I'm fine with it. Yeah, then. well, I mean, yeah, we're because, both Lost fans. Well, so. no, this is my favorite era, of JJ, for sure, sure, because I would say it starts with Lost. He does Fringe and Alias, I believe, which uh-huh. have their own cult following. I uh-huh. never got into the shows. Yeah, Fringe especially. Yeah, uh, pre Twilight Zone before you know uh, Jordan right. comes back with right. it. Exactly. So, but he yeah he did Lost. He had those series, Mission Impossible, and then first Star Trek. Like he's on. A, this is my mm. favorite JJ run. Yeah, then starts absolutely. To go down maybe. I mean, I still kind of like Force Awakens, but right, right. <laughs> yeah, they get diminishing returns. I think. I feel you. I feel you. But really, I think uh, this collaboration between partners uh, that are comfortable in the writing room, uh, there is excellent. Pre- Proof of that in the opening sequence here. This has a rocket start launch showing us an intense scene with our eventual bad guy played by Philip Seymour Hoffman, but then switches tracks completely into Ethan's engagement party. And you'd think that'd be kryptonite for this thing. You'd think this would halt it of any excitement, any energy, but how Tom Cruise handles this environment is like any other mission. I frankly think J.J. hit gold in these first moments of the film. He introduces Ethan again for new viewers. It's a fun, relatable environment. Gives us new plot threads of Ethan marrying his new boo, Julia. And best of all, we see Ethan's skill set demonstrated in an otherwise mundane scenario i mean that is some dynamite writing jj i think it's great it's it's a fun way to introduce concepts that are forgotten uh in later on the series like his you know exact lip reading or his ability to just shift in and out of uh, undercover type of conversations and really sell the people it's funny sometimes yeah (laughs) it's it's funny to the point (laughs) (laughs) a little ridiculous but yes you combine this with his laser guided eyes and you know (laughs) you get get a little weird scene but i think in concept and in execution (laughs) 
it's such a dynamite way to introduce us to something that we, you know, any audience member can kind of understand a little bit without it being a mission itself. And I just found it such a creative return to uh, the character and reintroduce things where later on in the series, it's just kind of expected you know what Ethan can do and what not. Right. No less his powers and I are love- increasing. <laughs> Because what's the gap here? Uh, did two come out in 2000 or 2002? Uh, 2000 on the dot, I believe. Right. So it is, has been six years. I right. thought I thought the gap between three and four was the largest gap. It's not. Mm. It's between two and three. Interesting. And uh, it, it's good that we have this. It is a bit of a restart, a, yeah. another kind of rebrand, which mm-hmm. you said two will, even in itself was almost a rebrand from <laughs> yeah, one. For, for real. <laughs> two is definitely the but, outlier in so many ways <laughs> now, now understanding it. But this was the first movie that I ever saw in the missions. Mm-hmm. I saw this in theaters when it came out in theaters in 2006. Mm-hmm. So it was great to just to kind of start fresh like that. Mm-hmm. I also haven't seen one and two really. Oh, except right. For bits and pieces. <laughs> right. <laughs> so you, to your point, it's it, it is nice to hit that restart button a little bit. Yeah, and, and I just feel like it shows JJ's chops as a writer, and why it's good that he's directing as well. Is that you take an otherwise mundane scene and you create utility in it? This yeah. otherwise mundane lore dumping scene about hey, Ethan's getting married—that's the plot. How can we yeah. use these moments to tell something about our character? And let's be honest; it's these moments in the beginning of this film that really is able to set up a lot of different themes going on in films going forward oh absolutely you know absolutely but uh really 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 solid stuff not to not to harp on the the beginnings like i mean quite literally probably first 10 minutes of the film but (laughs) i was just really floored with it and it it honestly stuck with me as far as intros that kind of become an art form in itself throughout this series how dynamite are the intros how electric are they and And that's how it is with all actions too like i said bond born oh absolutely what is that first 10 minutes Uh, before the credits roll for sure especially with bond Yeah, yeah that's a great point uh, Ethan Hunt is dragged back into action reluctantly when one of his spy disciples is killed during a failed rescue attempt. Uh, they, en- they end up chasing after a MacGuffin called uh, the Rabbit's Foot that leads to a catastrophic weapon that must be kept out of enemy's hands. Uh, the enemy, in this case, is played by Philip Seymour Hoffman, like I said. A calm but vicious weapon broker that would love nothing more to have his finger on the button. And that's kind of our, our, our setup from here. So much Tom Cruise in this film. He is goddamn bouncing off the walls in this one. <laughs> this is peak jumping on the couch Cruise, and it mm-hmm. is a lot. But if there is anything that won me over is that it, it, Tom Cruise was acting like a maniac in this film, and I think it still worked. Uh, I was, it totally worked. This was one of the best uh, out of the franchise. Three think- was really, you know, it was, it was hitting it for me. I didn't think he was extra Cruise. I thought this was some of the most tame Cruise oh, really? as far as all these five films go. Okay, Because okay. Vin, Vin texted me at some... <laughs> Vin texted me. He didn't, you didn't know at the time I was watching a Mission Impossible movie. Really? <laughs> You said something along the lines of like Tom Cruise isn't even a human. Tom Cruise <laughs> right, isn't right. even like, and you're talking about three. And I said, I got to be honest, I think three is the calm before the storm. That's <laughs> exactly what I said to you. It's <laughs> so great. Oh man, I, I lo- I'm going to be running back the week now to try to decipher when you yeah. were. What was the schedule watching it? 
I think another great example of this, I don't know, this this Tom Cruise-ness, I mean, is out of control, you know, especially in any un- undercover scenes, the sheer sociopath energy from him, it's frightening. It's like American <laughs> Psycho. You're, you're, I'm scared by what's on screen. It reminds me so much of Vanilla Sky, so much of Magnolia, three specifically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that he just, his energy is like, all right, just, just chill, Tom. Just, I'm, just- <laughs> I'm so into it. I'm right. so okay with it. Um, like I said, these, these the best description for how his eyes dart around are they're laser guided. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, maybe that's good acting, thinking about the character. The character's, <laughs> his superpower is like super awareness, basically. Right. <laughs> so I don't know. The, the note, though, is it's scary. It scared me. It, I get uncanny valley vibes from this human being. <laughs> that's basically Tom Cruise in three. As I mentioned, we get introduced to Julia, played by the lovely Michelle Monaghan. Uh, she will have a spotty appearance in the franchise, but it's mostly because she's not a super spy, and I think that's for the best, honestly. I think the last thing I would wanted out of her character was just like, oh, and she picks up the gun, and now she's you know part of the world. Oh, absolutely. She's not... That's a great point, actually. Yeah. With almost all somewhat of a female lead or somewhat lead in the movie. That mm. Look at Ray with the lightsaber. People mm. are just like, wow, picks up a lightsaber really good at it for the first time. <laughs> right. Just like, how is this person so good at fighting? Yeah, yeah. You'd almost say that with, uh, in fact, the newest uh, with Dead Reckoning Part 1 yeah. a little bit. Absolutely. But, and I just think it's a cliche to have uh, the, you know, yeah, uh, the sidekick become, you know, an agent or something right. like that. Because you, you have badass female fighters exactly. in here who exactly. are part of the agent. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So it's nice to have her just peppered in. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we get our first introduction to tech support Benji, played by one of my faves, Simon Pegg. Uh, Benji as a character is a great example of uh, how to counter some of my critiques of Ludacris in the Fast movies. Uh, his mm. obstacles throughout all of these later five movies are around pushing out of his comfort zone and being more like Ethan in An Agent. We see him become an agent in later films, and rather than just giving him more vague tech or hacking powers, they show that he has that no matter what. What each film is about is him conquering maybe his fear or getting out of his shell a little bit, which is just, again, a better way to write it than just he has more hacking ability. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? It's, it's, it's asinine. I like how they starred him here. Did, did you know he was in 3? Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah. I like the fact that he was just in office, guy. Yeah, yeah. You know? If anything, I, I kind of wish more was played with that, but I guess uh, a lot of the plots of these films boil down to Ethan's going rogue again, right. so <laughs> he's got to get out of the office, I guess. So. <laughs> uh, like I introduced, our bad guy is played by Philip Seymour Hoffman, the late great. Uh, he is good, but he could be better. I'll now do my best impression of oh Philip Seymour Hoffman. I wasn't expecting that. <clears throat> yep. I put a bomb in your head. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was way better than I thought. I thought you were going to go with, get, where's the rabbit's fight? No, 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 no. I put, he's, he's almost like annoyed with his own <laughs> tactics as a villain. Yeah, so yeah. I put a bomb in your head. I did it again. <laughs> Really good, Vince. So that's what I was doing all week. Uh, <laughs> just saying that. I, I think, you know, he's good, but it's just, it, it's, it highlights a, an unfortunate pitfall for some of these movies that we just don't get enough time with the villains. And there is one movie that we get plenty of time with the villain, and that is why it is so good, I feel like. Okay. Um, so Seymour Hoffman, great performance. Almost every single villain, great performance in these five movies. Yeah. It just feels like sometimes we don't just get enough time with them to feel menacing, to show us why they're so bad 
that. I'm not going to disagree with you where I don't want to not see Philip Seymour Hoffman more because right. I, I love him in more this role. I think he's heads. phenomenal. Like <laughs> yeah. I would love to see him more. However, I thought the menacing, I thought his tone and tenor, I thought everything got through okay. Okay. All Obviously, right. I want him more on screen. Sure. I didn't think it was lacking, to be honest with you. Right. I was it relatively impressed with his. Oh, right. Exactly. Okay. No, not at all. I mean, I, from the get go, that opening scene, fantastic. Yeah. It, yeah. it, it sets the tone. We know this guy. So, yeah. Absolutely. And I really think that opening, Dynamite, again. Yeah. So, fighting action as far as uh, hand-to-hand combat is a lot weaker than MI2, but I'm probably going to have to drop that one after this because uh, hindsight's twenty twenty. Nothing's like MI2. <laughs> MI2 is like a, a Hong Kong action film that's that's got a blockbuster, you know, a Hollywood blockbuster budget. When it comes to... This, I mean, uh, more so specifically why I feel like it's it's weaker in a drop-off in three. J.J. will use a lot of shaking cam in scenes that just have no movement normally. And we'll see the cinematography almost get better and better uh, incrementally each each uh, hmm. for each entry. Um, even to the point that Dead Reckoning, I think, has some of my favorite cinematography in it. Okay, interesting. Um, but uh, I just feel like it just gets bo- formulaic for action that immediately when there's something tense, I mean, this this camera's going nuts. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, and, and to the, and honestly, this is where that's happening now. Yeah, uh, like as like Born yeah. is right around here, and that's when it's going crazy. Bond mm. starts it. Even uh, Casino Royale has it a little bit. Absolutely. Which Absolutely. is 06 as well. Yeah. Uh, and then people quickly learn that it gives other people headaches. So yeah. then <laughs> right, start to tone right. that back. And, you know, a shaking cam can be effective. I think when they're on the bridge in this one, um, that, that's Very a good chaotic, scene. Very chaotic. Yeah, yeah, that's a good scene because there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, and it almost puts you in the in the eyes of a civilian on that bridge. It's the fourth It's the fourth man in the scene. Yeah. Because you're act, you are the cameraman, essentially. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. But <clears throat> other scenes where it's like just indoors and some gunshot shots uh, go off. Cruz will lean down and like the camera's still moving. It's like, all right, just chill. It's okay. We, we, it's tense. <laughs> so, uh, one improvement I think is the gadget tech, which we, um, get some solid answers for that I just appreciated in the series. Okay. I like seeing how these crazy masks are made with a, this like proto 3D printer they have. Yep. The voice audio specifically comes from stitching together sample phrases of their target and mark. So, I, I mean, just, We'll touch on, you know, kind of hitting the nail on the head as far as real world stuff when Dead Reckoning comes along. But I just thought it was a, a cool type of, I don't know, technology that would really stitch something together in the world of AI now mm-hmm. uh, to have something like that. And uh, I enjoyed the scenes as as much as a scene like that might be cut from a modern film as wasted time. I thought that was important context of right. how are they pulling off these heists, you know? Yeah, those little seconds of just just give me a quick explainer at least yeah. of how we're how we're doing this. Exactly. Please. He yeah. makes the guy read the uh, I think it's 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 Hoffman. Yeah. He makes the guy read the uh, the paragraph. I, I just like it. So uh, but a really solid movie though, I think it is strong enough to even stand on its own uh there will be a kind of alternate watch list that i suggest uh preparing for dead reckoning and this belongs to it we're gonna go ahead and give mission impossible 3 a 72 Ooh, a 72 good score Vin. yeah totally agree with this is and that's how i started it kind of this totally sits by itself mm. and just naturally with who the director is and it's between two mm-hmm. and then before it really kicks off into big time action action it totally kind of sits on its own and can be watched on its yeah. own yeah so i love it i def i have a Tommy Two Shoes for okay. you. Okay, I, I was I don't know sweating over this one. I'm gonna be honest, <laughs> sweating over this one. Overall, this gets a very good. This gets a, this gets like a two shoe, a very positive two shoe. Okay, like a two shoe plus. Oh, I can't quite put. The, I can't quite lace <laughs> We're up. Getting- 
I can't. We're getting into the semantics of two shoes. Can't Maybe lace. two shoes polished, no laces. That is a great idea. That is a great idea. Polished two shoes plus. and they're polished up. Okay. That's great. This, this is what we say with your scores. You, yeah. know, you give a score sometimes it's just good to listen to the podcast. Yes. Because there's so much Context. more you need. Mm. Context with the shoes. Mm. Um, <laughs> I can't quite lace it up a, a little bit. You know what I mean? That belongs to other little bit better films. But what an enjoyable movie. Yeah. Really good. Yeah. And even I don't know. I, I had one note about like maybe some spotty CGI. I'm just like I, I wasn't I, that bad. I erased it because I was like, yeah, I, I don't know. It didn't take me out of it like some other shots in in the feature films. So I yeah. know, yeah, three kind of he totally toned him back a little bit more yeah. realistic stuff. Uh, just another note on Lawrence Fishburne, fantastic. Mm, his, his, yes, expect one liners from the man and cheesiness, <laughs> and it's all so wonderful. Yeah. Boy, that's that's the quote that I said <laughs> in the beginning. So one of my favorite lines in all cinema. <laughs> Um, that's when he's talking to Ethan. Well, Ethan, they have him in the, uh, in this, in the straight jacket or, uh, hello, Clarice. Uh, Clarice. Oh, oh, right. <laughs> they, they, that's they, right. They put him in the, like the mouth gag. Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the silence of the lambs. Oh man. A great movie. Everyone all around. I think right. Ving Rhames was the most fine. I know. Usually he's overused and, a little, yeah. you know, <laughs> right. Ving Ramsey. Boy, he's, yeah. And he gets sad as, as it goes <laughs> on. It's like watching a puppy dog grow up. He like, gets, uh, he becomes the female consoler, and it's just like out of everyone, him. He's got some soul. I mean, he's, he's got a connection. Excellent, Vin. A 72 for Mission Impossible 3. I love it. Uh, okay, so now let's jump ahead here. Like I said, I thought 3 to 4 was the biggest gap. It's not, which is a five-year jump here. This is 2011. And here it starts. It's Mission Impossible, Ghost Protocol. We're ditching the numbers. We're going for names now. Mm. This is directed by director Brad Bird, who's probably the smallest time director kind of that we're dealing here. I would actually maybe. say the opposite. I mean, okay. it's, it's it's the outlier uh, for sure. But maybe that's uh, what maybe that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I would say it, this is a, a wild film because Brad Bird directs it, and I can go into that. Okay, no, oh please do. No, no other quotes. No. <laughs> no, just start off with the first quote. That's was... all. Is that what you were waiting for? <laughs> No. I guess you only have so many all-time favorite <laughs> quotes. So I'll tell well, you what the other one is. You'll surprise me when <laughs> we come along. I found the other one watching a movie with you, okay. watching a cable movie one day, and oh. it was G.I. Jane. <laughs> and he had the most ridiculous... <laughs> You had the most ridiculous drill sergeant or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. You just trim a little fat off the Constitution. <laughs> yeah, that's that guy. <laughs> that's right. He's talking about, like, protesters yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> so good. Uh, uh, G.I. Jane. What a, what, a, what a gem of a film. Okay. <laughs> 2011, Mission Impossible, Ghost Protocol. Uh, still right around two hours, two hours and 12 minutes. And how do we have Ethan Hunt in this film? <laughs> Ethan Hunt is uh, rogue once again. I mean, they're, they're all, he's always going rogue. Um, but where I found a lot of excitement with this one is that it's directed by Pixar's Golden Boy, uh, or That's one of right. Pixar's Golden That's Boys. That's right powerhouse animator talent of Brad Bird. Bird is an incredible track record. 1999's Iron Giant, then jumping to Pixar for The Incredibles and Ratatouille. Yeah, that's right. And and honestly, he has been in Pixar's DNA. He's part of Pixar's brain trust. I mean, talk about the most dystopian <laughs> phrase you can even imagine. Uh, <laughs> and he's also on their senior creative team, you know, ever since. So uh, what's odd is that in 2011, he splits off to do a Mission Impossible and without a doubt, my most excited one to check out. Mm. Uh, maybe those expectations right. shot in the foot a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> uh, another reason why this is an interesting one to check out is that the soon-to-be franchise lead, Christopher McQuarrie, 
starts writing on this one. Granted, he's one of three writers, but I was curious to see what shifts we would see in the story with him uh, having having some level of control over the script. Sadly, I think this one comes off a little bit of a weaker entry, and it's in those qualities that I think it's weaker. Thankfully, they get shook off more and more when McCory takes the reins fully. Maybe that was just the other two uh, writers... Uh, maybe McCory saw what was happening and he just knew what worked and that that was kind of the platform for the next scripts. But I, I think ultimately Ghost Protocol for me was probably the weakest out of the franchise. Ethan is brought in for another mission, uh, which of course he chooses to accept. Uh, a, a little rougher and a little bit more jaded, which will be on a steady incline with each film. Uh, Ethan just starts hating more and more of the establishment. He really kind of... He's like half boomer, half punk rock. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's brought in to track down a Russian asset list with missile codes. Your typical IMF gig and important enough to pull him in, but unexpectedly a rival operation intercepts the target they did not have their eyes on and results in a catastrophic consequence. As a reaction to all of this, the U.S. government declares ghost protocol and leaves IMF on the rocks. Uh, let me tell you, IMF might as well stay on the rocks because I, I just uh, every every movie starts off as like, ah, you guys got to get ranked in. You, you lose all your support. <laughs> it's, every <laughs> it's every movie. <laughs> Which, I, I, let me be clear, I don't really have a problem with, because you want to give your, yeah. your characters challenge obstacles, but uh, I don't know, I, I, I kind of would love a full-blown IMF, like, Cruz has an army behind them yeah, type it, of thing. It, it, it's a little bit of, we can get into, some of this franchise just has some serious rinse and repeat. Yeah, yeah. One interesting is, thing is, we always get some type of new CIA director, or some type of new <laughs> intelligence leader. Yeah, and it's just like, they, they're establishment, but yet we're seeing them for the first time. <laughs> yeah. So there's always this revolving door kind of with yeah, them. They're bound and, to get one over, you know. <laughs> and then definitely the whole we gotta yeah. We gotta shut this department down. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow. And then by the end, this is really important. We can't get rid of this <laughs> yeah. department. Yeah. It's a little bit rinse every piece for so sure. <laughs> so true. Uh plot wise, I would say this makes a similar mistake to the first film. Uh, that we covered a couple weeks ago, folks, uh, where the objective is just another list of high-value blah, blah, blah. Hmm. I suppose a list as a MacGuffin is really no different to a bioweapon or a key to a bioweapon or a rabbit's foot to a bioweapon, but <laughs> <laughs> my observation is that when it's a list, it, one of these is weaker. And I was really trying to think about this of why do why in execution, why in experiencing this film do I feel it's weaker? And I the best thing I can boil it down to is that one of these is the threat itself and the other is a potential for the threat. And I feel like these lists, these asset lists with one and ghost protocol, and I think one other does it, I don't know. <laughs> bleeding together. Yeah, but you, that's that's kind of my observation, just from my experience, is that when it's the weapon itself is what they're after, it's a much stronger script, where with a list, it's just like, I don't know, I just don't feel that engaged with these. Uh, does that make sense? I think that's totally fair. And it's hard not to bleed these. It's, I think Ghost Protocol and and Rogue Nation totally bleed in. Mm. Like you can, It's almost like <laughs> yeah. I'm swapping scenes in my head sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I keep it real. straight. Um, 
I think that makes sense just because it, you're right. It's not, it's not a, a, it's tough to have big action sequences revolving around a list, you know? Right, right. So that kind of stuff too. It's setting itself up for failure a little bit. Right. Uh, it's hard to get super excited about that. Felt a little bit about that, and we'll get into it with the newest one, I would oh, actually really? say. Oh, really? Yeah, bit. yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, because in the same way, the key itself is not a, a threat. It's mm-hmm. leading to a threat. So it's, uh, that, that's at least the observation. Yeah, it's, you know? one, it's one element of this film that pigeonholes itself a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it's, Two things that kind of do it. One, it's that, that mm-hmm. we're chasing a list. So I'm glad you brought that up. Mm-hmm. And two, it's so being attached and tied down to the idea of a great locale. Yeah. Really, you should be on the move more. Mm. But boy, are we around Saudi Arabia in this size skyscraper. <laughs> it's so true. Uh, and they're trying to make it a character within itself, and it yeah. just doesn't quite happen. I think there's a little bit shooting up itself in the foot here. Yeah, I forget which fra- fast movie, but the same thing when they jump the car out of the out of the, uh, out of the big building. Right, so. right. <laughs> the uh, ever-present scars of watching the yeah. Fast and Furious franchise. A lot more comedy in this than I expected. I'll be light on it, and I say it's not terrible, but it kind of just ruined otherwise good scenes i felt uh jokes about ethan being a legend and his failed marriage come bundled in with the first 30 minutes and it's like it's not that it's terrible it just was an eye roll for me Um, the jokiness of mission impossible was always a tough tougher pill to swallow for me yeah and that's what i mean by mcquery more and more he shaves off what the concept is and it becomes just more and more refined as this spy espionage you know thriller almost you're not yeah but you wouldn't say it loses all funniness or (gasps) no but ghost protocol is definitely trying to crack some jokes this and rogue nation honestly but uh the most in 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 ghost protocol for sure it's it's absolutely the worst when enemies or opposition to ethan get jokey uh jeremy renner's new character is guilty of this as well uh I was happy he gets booted out of the franchise after the next one, yeah. honestly. Not a Renner fan. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I kind of am, but it's just just not in this, you know. What are you? I could think of two things. Uh, and the two things he in. Love. Sure. Hurt Locker. Uh, right. Uh, oh, boy. And American uh, Hustle. Oh, sure. Okay. All right. Other what, than that, I can't think of one? it. Because the Mayor Kingston I haven't watched, so. Wind something. Oh, Wind River. Yeah, that was No, all. Wind River. Would, Maybe. Yeah. That Taylor Sheridan. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. That's true. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> but. Haven't watched, but I'll listen, give Listen, I can't remember it, so that, that's a, <laughs> I think your point stands. I think sure. everything after Hawkeye. I don't know. <laughs> right. Uh, the best thing I can compare this to, folks, is, if anything, we, you, you made the, the Star, Star Wars reference for me, you know. In these later Star Wars movies where the Empire gets all jokey, it ruins any and all tension in just the same way way i mean uh in that set piece of dubai impressive renner's just joking over the comms the whole time and it's just like i I don't know this is kind of killing the scene a little bit for me i mean it's not bad enough to say it's outright bad but it's distracting yeah and i wouldn't say it's just renner i think it's pervasive a bit throughout the films a bit yeah because it's so hard to take this because it's like cheap jokes it's like nothing intelligent or something (laughs) actually like witty yeah and First that, that's tough. So, I mean, Bond will do, and I, I can't help but compare, but oh, I will continue to. Yeah. Uh, where Bond tries to always, yeah. Bourne tries to always be serious. Bond has very fast quips, mm. and then you're over with. And I think this tries to be the most comedic. Yeah. And I think it fails the most, honestly. Right. right. Because, I mean, what do you want? Do you want us to be engaged at the edge of our seat, mm-hmm. anticipating or, or in anticipation of this huge action mm-hmm. scene? Or do we just, are we just having a good time together yeah. and making these jokes? I feel like you, they need to pick, pick their battles a little bit better. Absolutely. And, and just just don't do it with your opposition. If there's anything, I mean, you have your crew be jokey, it's fine. Renner aside, whatever. Don't do it to the opposition. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there is a, a Russian cop, a Russian detective in this, and he's just as jokey and obviously it's he's probably gonna be an ally to Ethan, but I don't know. In the beginning segments, I thought that was another tension layer that sure. they were layering on. Yeah. 
that this franchise becomes so good at layering tensions. It's the tension lasagna, <laughs> as I started calling it after Fallout. <laughs> I really like that. Okay. The tension lasagna. <laughs> but uh, when, it, when it comes down to it, it's just like, I don't know, don't cheapen your threats. Yeah. Uh, and that's why I compare it to the later Star Wars movies. Yep. So uh, it's not all doom and gloom, though, folks. Uh, we get a cool revisit to Ethan's climbing skills from two in a wild set piece in Dubai, uh, which, again, I'm, I'm kind of becoming a super fan of two, as, even though it's probably. Probably a bad movie, but whatever. <laughs> uh, and um, gadget tech-wise, I think this is a big highlight. Probably the biggest highlight. Uh, there are some of the most creative uses of gadgets in this film. And I don't know. I just... Um, uh, I miss how gadget-focused the franchise becomes. I think the later movies are better, but I just I, I miss kind of creative uses of things. There's a great sequence where they play with the perspective of a hallway and track the eyes of a guard, mm -hmm. and they move like a green screen closer to trick them. From oh, there. I love that scene. Yeah it's, yeah, it's just great. Like that That's cool tech. That makes sense, and it also makes sense in what they need to accomplish as characters, yeah. you know? Uh, we got Mikey Giacchino on the music track, and he is absolutely killing it here. Um, some excellent spy music, and he uses motifs of Lalo, Lalo Schifrin's original work all over this. We also get two great villain performances here. Lisa Sadu uh, tries out her spy game before joining the Bond franchise mm -hmm. in a few years. And a podcast fave, once again, the late, great Michael Nwinkist. I think I pronounced that right. Michael Nunkist? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, yep. <laughs> we'll keep that. Uh, plays our radical terrorist bad guy. Uh, though, once again, I, I feel like, uh, not, not, to be a, not to parrot what I said previously, but I think it's the same problem in the last film. Not nearly enough time on screen to feel like a knockout villain performance. I think Nunkist, as much as I love seeing him stuff, we uh, called back to the uh, Girl with the Dragon, Dragon Tattoo special that we did. Mm -hmm. He's the main character in those original films. Uh, John Wick, of course. I wanted just to see more of him. Uh, and I feel like he really gets shafted yeah. in this film, even more so than Philip Seymour Hoffman. A a oh, big time. This is where I totally agree with you on okay. that. Yeah, right. well, Philip Seymour Hoffman, like I said, I, th I thought it was adequate. Mm -hmm. um, it was a little bit more underwhelming. And I think playing to the whole list thing, yeah. just the big baddie, whether it be list or person, was taking a, a step back. Yeah. And, and I just, I don't know. I want to see the menacingness of it. Uh, you want to so. feel it. Yeah you, yeah. Want, you want to feel it and come across. Exactly. Because you want the stakes to be there. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Where I feel like with the list, with 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 how villains are done, sometimes it's told to us, uh, and and that goes back to my critique of the first film. It's not shown. The stakes aren't shown. Yeah, it's told. And honestly, we love Leo to do, but oh yeah, you know, she can only be so menacing. Right, right. And this is a little bit earlier in her career too. So. Yeah. But overall, though, I, I thought this was a fair bit weaker, um, and for me personally, I would not be one to return to this one, which, uh, uh, alongside of one, are really the only the only two out of uh, out of the franchise that I would say that for. Everything else, I feel like, could be a potential rewatch in some capacity. Okay. Um, it might be blasphemous to rate this lower than MI2, but it's how I really feel about it. We're going to go ahead and give Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol a 58. 58. Okay. Still, I mean, if this, you know... If this is your, your most down on this film, <laughs> right? Fifty eight's not bad. Yeah, yeah. The franchise is holding its weight. Okay. Yep. The average is uh, is is looking good. I would say a lot. I don't. I'm gonna have two shoots for this. Okay. I'll say it right now. I don't have two shoots for the next one either. Okay. Good um, because they blur together. I think they blur together a little bit, yeah, and they yeah. fail in the same ways, kind of. Yeah. Uh, I think Paula Patton, who was the main female, kind mm -hmm. of in this one, I thought she was mediocre, mm. and Jeremy Renner, yeah, brings it down a little bit. Yeah. Uh, as far as this version of Tom Cruise in this one, <laughs> right. I liked him in three. I, this is why I felt like he was the most normal person and mm. just like almost the most relatable. <laughs> not saying he's not insane and crazy. Right. Uh, but the, here it's 
with with four, what we're starting with is Tom Cruise gets a moment where he gets real with the team and breaks down mm. what the deal is, the situation. Mm-hmm. And just his seriousness, his tone that he's trying to take, he's just not selling it for me. <laughs> it's a little funny. It's a little comedic. It's a little hard to take him seriously. Yeah, yeah. And that super serious Tom Cruise is probably my least favorite Tom Cruise within the franchise. Mm. Um, I'd be curious to what you hear about that Reckoning, then. Yeah. Because I labeled him Moody Cruise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we started with that a little bit. Michael Giacano, I, I'll make this note also. Yeah. Michael Giacano also did three, the music oh, yes. for three. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to go ahead and say, I sent this, uh, <laughs> I sent, I brought this up to Vin because this was not internet at all. Right. There is a scene towards the end of MI3 yep. uh, that is all too similar than a scene in Lost. And I think <laughs> right. a scene in Lost with Charlie, Jack, and Kate in the first season. And I, I'm just saying it's just hilarious. It's the same director. It's the same guy doing the music. <laughs> again. And the scene is he basically the exact same. Old reliable. <laughs> <laughs> but Giacana's doing a great job in these yeah, two films. For absolutely. Sure. But okay, Ben. All right. So 58 for Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. Let's jump ahead right away. This is 2015. This is Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. This is when our director, Christopher McQuarrie, Mm. is now, again, writing and directing. And this is the birth of kind of these guys teaming up. A real duo is Tom Cruise and and McQuarrie. McQuarrie's always going to be the director, but it's weird how much of a director Tom Cruise still is. And his involvement in Maverick and everything like that. They're working together. But uh, this almost a very old fashioned style of how an actor would be the production. You know, I mean, go back right. to the 80s, go back to even, you know, pre 60s. You know? Sure. Oh, yeah. Big time. So, so yes, yeah, so this is the start of all that back in 2015, Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. Vin, let's get into it right away. How'd you Everyone's like it? going rogue. <laughs> it's a good name for it. Tommy, catch that uh, jump scare at the beginning. What? Alibaba <laughs> pictures. Ooh. Shivers yeah. down my spine. The, the, another start of a whole thing, Alibaba. <laughs> I think I'll. <laughs> I think Alibaba was uh, has been since three. I, it's it's uh, oh really? I, I thought th- I thought in my research it was just this one and Fallout, which I, I don't like chipping away at Fallout like that. But I know it's annoying. <laughs> I think Alibaba. No, I think Alibaba is connected with more. Oh, okay, more than just two of them. Yeah, interesting. Right. I was also trying to think like why was the um, you know the locale of Saudi Arabia so so prevalent there? Maybe that's that's you know just they got the money. They're going to expensive locales. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the jet setting. But yeah, like you introduced Tom, uh, this begins the McCor trilogy or tetralogy once Dead Wrecking Part 2 comes out and Macquarie shifting to be a director and writer has proven that these major franchises do not need to be run by a committee uh, they need to be run by a strong singular creative vision I'm looking at you Star Wars and Disney once again <laughs> mm. uh, but the key to how he pulls this all off in the already successful franchise and supercharges it further is by writing and directing. He has a vision with this clearly and he has some sort of organization that they're going through. Yeah, and Cruise, I would say. The creative duo of those two is so powerful and the fact that Tom Cruise is so ingrained with Paramount Studios yeah. that they just let him kind of go. Yeah. It, you're so right about the whole Star Wars Kathleen Kennedy thing. Mm, Kathleen yep. Kennedy is the main... Yep. Yeah, yep. it's <laughs> like... Definitely the internet punching bag. <laughs> and rightfully so. <laughs> but, man, when you try to disperse so... When you... So much power up top that doesn't mm-hmm. actually have true connection with the film or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It loses so much. And yeah. it's these two have vision. Even with the latest one, uh, for instance, McQuarrie knew he wanted to do something with the train. Mm. He wanted a big train sequence. Tom Cruise knew that he wanted to ride a bike off a mountain. Mm. So <laughs> let's start writing a movie. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> That's great. So it's so you're so right that yeah. that creative duo, just them being able to do them mm-hmm. is it's. It works. Yeah, 
Absolutely. Mostly. And I think that just solidifies um, McQuarrie specifically writing exclusively for Tom Cruise and his latest later career. You know, while his humble beginnings start with the Dynamite screenplay from 1995, The Usual Suspects, ever since 2014, he has been attached at the hip with uh, our Scientology boy. Which uh, you can even look back to like uh, breadcrumbs with uh, the partnership as early as 2008's Valkyrie or 2012's Jack Reacher. You know, oh, are they on? Is oh, he writing yeah. for those? Yep. McQuarrie. See, I don't know if I love him as a writer. Mm, okay, I fair. think I liked him more as a director. Okay, like I think one of the worst things about Maverick was the writing. Mm. I think Valkyrie's writing was kind of a joke. I <laughs> yeah, feel yeah. some of these with the writing. I think it lacks a little bit. Yeah, and with the jokes and stuff like that. So I don't know if I love him as a writer. Sure, but I do like the fact that he has control. Yeah, I think that's a great observation, and I, I'm kind of with you. I I can't say McQuarrie's like. Super strong. I, of course, will respect the hell out of Usual Suspects as far as a single sure. screenplay and, yep. and a concept executed. But um, but yeah, there's there's something to it that uh, I definitely like him directing a lot more. In Rogue Nation, though, uh, the IMF is on the rocks yet again after being operational briefly behind the scenes in between films. This time, their outrageous min- missions are being scrutinized by the CIA, introducing our foil within the gov. Everyone's favorite potential manslaughterer, Alec Baldwin. <laughs> yeah, potential. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ethan is forced to go rogue yet again when he is attacked by a shadow organization called The Syndicate and must prove why IMF exists in the first place. Uh, suspiciously, both this film and Spectre come out the same exact year and pull the same exact villain card. Um, Bond and Hunt going up against an organizational bad guy while their own organization is pulled out from under them. I mean, it's identical. Um, this film wins slightly on a release. This came out on the 31st of July that year, where Spectre came out November 6th. But we're uh, we're splitting hairs at that point. It's the same. It's the uh, same script. Someone was dipping into the cookie jar at the same time. I think Bond. I think Bond was there first. Okay. The reason why, because it so much starts with Skyfall in 2012. Mm, okay, fair enough. Um, and I get, I understand that. Like we just talked about with each intimate Mission Impossible, the whole right. uh, we got to shut this down. Yeah. You know, and I, like they did that in 2011. Uh, Skyfall did that in 2012. Mm. But Skyfall really starts that secret hidden organization yeah. that that turns out to be Spectre. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I think Bond kind of wins it. And, I, I'm and to fine be honest with you, Bond. with the whole shutting down and everything mm. like that. I, again, I think it's so much. It's really prevalent in this one, yeah. in this mission, and I think Bond gets it back in 2012 anyway. Yeah, and true. This means 2015. True. I'm fine giving the, the the crown to Bond, but it was just it was just so fascinating how it's identical to the point that it's, it's pressure, uh, uh, you know, going up against a organization of bad guys, and then what do you know? The rugs being pulled out from under you on your organization yourself, IMF. That right, is. right. So I was just like, wow. I mean, whew. Shocking. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I if I didn't watch this film when it came out, but I, I've praised Spectre quite a bit, even against the grain. You know, people kind of shit on that movie. I, I like Spectre yeah. a good amount. Yeah, you like uh, it fine enough, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I don't know how I would feel, honestly, if I saw this July and then November came around. Uh, so, I don't know. It is funny. It's, I would love to be, I don't think it's answers we'll ever get, yeah, but I yeah. definitely would love to be inside the head of the creating arms of both. Because it's like, are they picking up from this? Yeah. Like, why? You know? Yeah. And, and that's obviously a narrative in film. Uh, it's the no strings attached, friends with benefits, both both same concepts comes out in the same year. Right, right. You know, it happened. There's, there's almost countless examples. Taking of, the best and trying to, you know. Yeah. The, the question is, yeah, exactly. Did Bourne make Casino Royale that much better? 
Uh, did, did, was it Skyfall? Right, was it right. Skyfall that made Mission Impossible so much better? Mm. Was it John Wick that made the some fight choreography and Fallout mm, better? Very true. It's, very that's true. Just, it's just every club scene ever put in a movie. Mm. It doesn't belong to John Wick. And no. trains. <laughs> and we'll get into train talk. I can't wait to talk about the choo choos later. <laughs> train. Anyway, we'll get back on track here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But that that's that was that was just a, an important observation that just just how I was kind of looking at. How MacGuffins and script writing work in certain certain one of these films. It's your new favorite word, MacGuffin. Yeah, I know, I know. It's okay. You're it's good. true. I mean, it's a Hitchcock term, yeah. so I'll, 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 <laughs> I'll side with Hitchcock. Uh, but um, at the same time, I was just kind of thinking about this, and I was like, man, I, I, it just put me in a space of like, what if I was running the podcast back then and I watched these back-to-back, yeah. you know, or in order? I think you would you be know? able to parcel enough to know that with – them being in development for so long and everything right. like that, the, the actual release dates at that point don't matter too yeah. much. They're in the can. They're Very done. True. Very but, true. But um, it, it, it's fun to compare and kind of yeah. think about. It's interesting. Uh, our bad guy, Sean Harris, is uh, is our main kind of syndicate lackey representing the syndicate's goals. And while he's good, he mostly fills in pre-work that'll make the entry even better. I like his look better in this. I think he's a lot more menacing in this. But... Honestly, um, in in hindsight, what he does in this film is only just laying groundwork for a rivalry with Ethan, and then on top as well, just just hitting the ground running when it comes to Fallout, which will be a key success uh, for that film. Just n- no breaks, all gas. It is it is a an action film, capital A. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, I didn't mention it with the last one, but I really got a bone to pick with these title sequences where they show future scenes in the movies. This is a Mokori uh, thing. Yeah, it's it's totally a nitpick, but every one of these films does it. I just I don't know. It's lazy. If anything, in the arms race to Bond, where Bond is like it's visual, it's it's metaphorical. You know, I don't like any of the title sequences mm. for any of the films, Macquarie or not. For these. oh really? Mm-hmm. And just and, and just the I, yeah, I just don't like the way they look. I don't know. Yeah, it's just not done well. I don't think personally and but especially them just showing future scenes it's dumb exactly yeah exactly put a little bit more care into it a nitpick though Uh, I won't won't get into it Rebecca Ferguson is introduced as our new team member uh, Ilsa and will stay with us for the remainder of the franchise Um, I really I flip-flopped with her a little bit in Fallout I didn't quite like her in this I think she's the key to why the film works so well Um, the duplicity that she brings is a welcome addition and captures what the first film was trying to do, that your eyes are darting around on who to trust. Ethan going rogue once again doesn't mean he just loses IMF support, but he loses knowing who to trust. The rogue nation. Everyone's rogue. <laughs> so her addition highlights the string of the syndicates well and how anyone can get caught up into it. And I felt her character sold the villain indirectly of the syndicate. You know what I mean? Where we don't really see direct actions too much. Uh, it's from the shadows as a shadow organization mm-hmm. uh, we get some really solid action sequences here uh, I loved a whole sequence in the opera it, that, that was around an opera performance that is just executed great and uses the structure of music in action I'm just a sucker for for creative things like that so yeah props to that scene uh, also the chase sequence in Morocco is stellar and honestly, single-handedly might be the best of the franchise. And this franchise is no stranger to awesome, awesome chase sequences. I would say if there is anything that I'm walking away from this week with these five films under my belt is that, man, in the landscape of Bourne, Bond, and Mission Impossible, Mission Impossible yeah. might get the best car work, honestly. I don't know. They do uh, a lot with it. Yeah. 
I, yeah, I don't know what Even else. Even in the new one. I mean. It was, oh, my God. Yeah. In the yeah. new one. You kidding me? <laughs> Very long scenes with cars. Yeah. With car so. chase. I, I think I would agree with that. Because Bond, I mean, Bond with car chases. It kind of takes a back seat. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, they're very quick, kind yeah. of in and out. Uh, Born definitely is a little bit more. Yeah, but uh, this is very heavily involved. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was, it was, it was good to watch. And I, I was loving. Any anytime they get in the car and then chase sequence starts, I was really you engaged were in. with all these movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any any type of get Tom Cruise in in, in front of another toy to mm. control, whether it be <laughs> yes. a helicopter, or a car, or a bike. <laughs> for sure, yeah. for sure. More gadgets. It's <laughs> true. But I have to be honest, uh, I, I, this one was hard to pin down uh, mm. for me just because there was something about the film that just wasn't doing for me. Um, it was really hard to pin down. And I, you know, I was very speculative. I was, I was really putting some thought into all of these. But, um, you know, perhaps the story was a bit played out. Maybe I was just starting to get tired of some of the stunt work constantly one-upping itself. I don't know. What are your thoughts, Tom? I am ex- I am right there okay. with you. Awesome. Because I was having the same problem with yeah. this with this and Ghost Protocol as well. Yeah. There's things about Ghost Protocol that I like more than there's than Rogue Nation. There's mm-hmm. things I like better in Rogue Nation than Ghost Protocol. It's just this teeter-tottering back and forth. I don't know overall. I, I the actors in this, I like Rebecca Ferguson yep. and the than the previous lady mm-hmm. <laughs> who, who lady. was in it. I like the bad guy in this one better than the previous yeah. one. So that's shaping up to be pretty mm-hmm. good. Uh I thought there was just some better I thought there was some pretty good chase in the last one. Mm-hmm. And then when you have main kind of sequence or main stunt or something like that, right. the water sequence in this one, the mm-hmm. water stunt, yeah. one of my least favorite with all these <laughs> oh, films. really? Yeah, really, <laughs> really didn't like it. Yeah. And there's some things that kind of drop off. When I think about the storyline, the plot, I like it. In execution of the film, I think I was right there where I just couldn't get fully engaged. Yeah. Like I was with, with three or something like that or mm-hmm. in some future ones that we'll talk about. And that's why I – man – it's almost like a flip of a coin, which mm-hmm. one I like more or not. Mm-hmm. I think I slightly like Rogue Nation a little bit better. Yeah. I think it's it's just a little bit more – it's got something slightly over right, Ghost right. Protocol, but not much, honestly. And it might be a better solidification with the team. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You still got a lot of Renner, so yeah. – you know, it's that's still true. Renner. That's true. But he's in a different position. So yeah. that's fine, you know? He's, he's secondary now. Right. Yeah. Alec Baldwin, surprisingly, is, is a welcome, actually yeah, yeah. welcome character. And I think that's 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 the difficulty on my end because I was looking at these films. I was like, well, they, they're they kind of bigger and badder each time, you know, production-wise. On paper, and... Rogue Nation is a pretty good film. Yeah. In execution, for whatever reason. Yeah. Lackluster is a bad term. This mm-hmm. isn't anywhere around a 50, I think. No, no. But... um. You know, it's, I don't know, it's not hitting in certain ways. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I think better than Ghost Protocol for me, but uh, that was just kind of my honest feelings with this. Uh, definitely some fatigue, like I was saying in the beginning yeah. of, I think I was just actioned out after these franchise weeks. Yeah. <laughs> so. Would you agree me that, would you agree that uh, actors and characters are stronger than, than, Ghost. than Ghost? Yes, I agree. Yeah, Absolutely. Okay. And even, uh, again, Macquarie, uh, Macquarie writing now, I feel like even those those slight comedic moments are being chopped down and refined and refined. Sure, sure. You know, I mean, they're at least they're a little bit more you know, appropriate or used, uh, you know, correctly. So, but, but that's what, that's my thoughts on Rogue Nation. Um, unfortunately, this wouldn't really make a watch list, uh, for my alternative watch list, but probably should. I feel like this with the syndicate, we're finally getting into lore that might be seen uh, as required reading, you know, for where the, where everything's very going. true. Yeah. So with that said, we're going to go ahead and give Mission Impossible Rogue Nation a 66. 
Oh wow, sixty six. Okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, not a bad score. Still good. This is good. This is pretty good movie territory. Yeah, still. absolutely. And absolutely. it is. It's a, these are all action movies. Mm-hmm. You know, not terrible action movies. Right. <clears throat> Look at you know, I don't know the first extraction. How that hit. You know, <laughs> right. these are doing okay. Yeah. And I'm right there. I think I'm not going to give it a shoes. They're so. I just go so back and forth with Ghost Protocol and Rogue Nation. Maybe at the end of Rogue Nation, what they have to do and everything like that. It's just <laughs> right. like okay, all right, yeah, we're doing yeah. this. Yeah. Uh, I feel like it might be a more silliness back yeah. to the show or something like For that. Sure, the original sure. show. Oh, speaking so, of silliness, when when Cruz first comes across uh, Sean Harris or whatever his name is, uh, the villain, he's so cartoony. He's like slamming on the glass. Oh, and yeah. It's like, all right, okay, easy, easy. <laughs> exactly right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're so similar. And I think this is also post-2008 Dark Knight. And I think we get changes mm. in some cinematography and music. I've, I, there were some scenes and opening shots or different location shots mm-hmm. where I'm just like, oh, okay, I'm watching the Dark Knight here. Mm. Very true, very true. So just very si- <laughs> very similar. They'd probably be somewhere around two shoes as well. Yeah. But lower lower shoes, not as shiny. <laughs> maybe, yeah, a no bit more beaten up leather, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, the old pair. <laughs> but uh, okay, 66 for Rogue Nation. Let's keep it going. This is 2018's Mission Impossible Fallout. Now yep. I'll just start right away. I don't necessarily think that this is, once again, another rebranding of the film. Mm-hmm. But even the making of this film, the mm-hmm. talk behind it for the six months before it came out, this felt different than the past two. It definitely felt like... And I don't know if people were still in this thing of trying to accept Tom Cruise still, getting mm-hmm. back into normality, sure. kind of, these past two films. Yeah. But I felt like a flip was switched with Rogue Nation. Yep. Somebody said, was just like, no, 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 this is full on action. This is here to mm-hmm. compete with it's everyone. Good. Yeah. So let's just get into it right now, 2018's Fallout. Yeah, Fallout is a big one. Folks, this is the only one that I've actually seriously seen um, fully in the swing of, you know, thinking about movies critically and whatnot. And honestly, it's all thanks to Tom. Uh, Not Tom Cruise, uh, Tom Wrecker. (laughs) (laughs) Tom Cruise. Folks, Tom was in my ear on this one when it came out. I mean, he would not. We we had to see this. It was an opening night. I don't even know why. I think I was more excited just to get you in the theater to watch watch it that <laughs> yeah. i was even excited for the film <laughs> yeah, yeah. but uh you know contrary to my expectations and believe me before the podcast i really didn't care about fan <laughs> franchises so you, can, you know what i mean I was, I was a hipster boy uh i really enjoyed this film in 2018 i mean uh the rewatch held up i think fondly on this film um there are action sequences that i would say are kind of all timers and uh yeah i mean it, fallout it believe the hype this is the one to see for sure I would say uh, a part of this is that the world of espionage is a lot, and I mean a lot cooler in this. Uh, Completely avoids any comedy pitfalls we saw in 4. And that's not to say that this movie doesn't have its fun, but the serious tone is needed for the growing global threat of the story, syndicate included. So it's like we always talk about the rule of cool. Let it be the guide. If it's not cool, don't do it. And, And I feel like this film really plays by those rules. As a result, the espionage has never been better and gets amplified as the movie progresses. Uh, Soundtrack is great by uh, Lorne 
Balfi, I think it's pronounced. Some really just good spy music. I think there's bongos in every single track, which yeah. I was like, all right, yeah. it's a, <laughs> that's great. It's a different feel though. This yeah. this music changes. I think it changes mm-hmm. from the whole Dark Knight thing. Yes, and I don't know. That's such a no. Is I, that a meta thing that people like? No, I, you're right on. I mean, because everything is uh, Hans Zimmer post Nolan. You yeah, know what I mean? It's just a feeling almost. Yeah, you know, you just yeah. know it when you hear it. Absolutely. Uh, this definitely takes a di- bit of a different turn. Yeah, than, and, still being Synthian's parts, you know, but very distinctly spy uh, to it. Yeah, I think this is finally up on par when it comes to music with with Bond. Yes, you know, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I, I think part of this espionage, this this spy theming that's amped up, is the twists in this movie feel more earned than they normally do in a blockbuster film. Mm. Uh, and I obviously can't really detail that, but I feel like, I don't know, there's, there's breadcrumbs for you to really pay attention to in this film. And uh, other films try that. Dead Reckoning is just like, eh, forget it. <laughs> You're kind of just going for the ride. This film, it's just it's just a magic spot with it. Uh, in Fallout, the syndicate is still our main threat, again, focusing on elites in the group called the Apostles. We finally get some real connection between films, seeing that these villains in the franchise, even, as a whole, are all after mass destruction through some sort of rebirth ideology. And that's much appreciated than just all these just crazy terrorists out there and weapon brokers. <laughs> you know, there's some connective tissue, which is nice. I like the idea of a specter mm-hmm. that's ever looming, ever massive. You yep. know, you got to climb the ladder, a bad guy to bad guy, the top baddie. Sure. It's a little weird that we have one film with the syndicate. Mm-hmm. I like that premise. Mm-hmm. And then it is kind of dropped for the apostles. Yeah. Which is kind of an even bigger, better, more, I don't know. Sleek and undercover, right? Uh, in in, in, in syndicate, the syndicate itself, but it almost feels weaker, yeah. Because now it's a destructured, and you have loose guys coming together yep. to form their own thing again. Absolutely, that was kind of annoying to me. Mm-hmm. I wish they would have stuck with something that I felt punched more. Yeah, yeah. And I think in in the kind of an alternate world where it's each of these films is not stripping away Ethan's abilities through IMF or right. his support. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like there could have been a script somewhere out there that it's Syndicate <clears throat> versus IMF, like big. Big going after big, basically. That's what I kind of thought it was leading up to yeah, with yeah. last film. Now, I think they do a good job at proving just how bad or connected or truly powerful the apostles are. Sure, sure. But the fact that they're not under the umbrella of the syndicate, I think yeah. weakens it just a bit. Absolutely. Um, this forces Ethan to go more rogue than he's ever gone before, <laughs> including <laughs> cooperating with the criminal underworld. Um, this highlights Ethan's work in a destructive way, putting him in some hot water while IMF's every move is always under a scrutinizing eye. I would say, uh, I, I don't say this often, but this is like top tier pacing I think this is pacing perfection almost uh, and it's two hours and 27 minutes now I know I know uh, it's 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 unreal how at, like at a clip it is it, it, the first hour melts away mm-hmm. you're so engaged in this and it is just truly excellent um, you know that first hour is largely thanks to front loading probably two of the best sequences the whole film has to offer Part one of that is an incredible halo jump stunt, which honestly looks surprisingly good. Um, I think thanks to other stunt 
coordinating cameramen following crews as his descent is going. Yeah, did you watch any back uh, behind the scenes or B-roll footage? Yes, yes. yes. I, I don't know. I expected it to look worse. I, I, I can't really, you no, know. No, because everything about it is real. Yeah. Except for when they're pulling, like, gaskets out of the helmets mm, or something yep. like that. That stuff is yep. just fake. They're just doing the action. Or and some then atmospheric lightning or something like that. Right, the atmospheric yeah. lightning. And maybe it's starting yeah. to not hold up. Super well, right, like it looks right. fake a little bit, but as far as the actual people doing things, yep. which is so often that's when we're getting CGI and everything, <laughs> yep. um, that's all legit. Yeah. And it does. It looks – it's respectable. It's absolutely It's respectable. Dynamite. Yeah. And now the iconic uh, – part two of that, now the iconic bathroom fight with Henry Cavill reloading his arms, as the internet will put, and longtime series coordinator, stunt coordinator Liang Yang kicking everyone's ass. Uh, I was – one – Love this coming off the Fast franchise where Vin Diesel can't take a punch to the face. (laughs) And the fact that this guy just like kicks both their asses in the bathroom, like it's awesome. Like that's so great. Like what a subversion in an action scene. And it's an amazing action scene in this bathroom. I mean, they wreck it. One of my favorite scenes in all the movies. Yeah. In all these movies. Uh, Fantastic in action. The fact that Tom Cruise in his mid-50s making this. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, so true. I don't know if you heard about this. So they had an actual, they had a different Asian actor mm. playing in the role. Mm-hmm. And they had to fire him on the spot and bring in this oh. other guy because he could not keep up with Tom Cruise and Henry Cavill. No way. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and the guy is the stunt coordinator for all these films. Right. So That's it was, what I'm saying. They fired the guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, and, and you know, uh, I don't want to take uh, rob any thunder from this scene, but it is very much a John Wick logic in saying, "Hey, so we saying, got man. a guy that knows the stunts. Why isn't he in the movie?" You and know? it's good. Yeah, it's it feels so good, and I love it too because Tom, it's a great fight. It, Tom Cruise is finally not afraid to be third best sometimes yeah. in this. Like he's getting his ass kicked, right. and it's kind of nice to exactly. see. It's funny almost. It's a subversion. That's and that's the most comedy I want throughout mm-hmm. this entire franchise. Sure. Tom Cruise kind of actually getting it <laughs> yeah. because it does. It puts a little smirk on your face, purposely so. Right. That's what I need. Yeah. Not a cheesy joke. In exactly. There. Exactly. Bathroom scene is fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Top notch. And, and looks I, great. Front loading these two scenes, uh, I, man. I, I'm surprised more. I mean, probably more movies can't do it because they just don't have the juice. Uh, yeah. This movie has the juice. The combination of these two scenes back to back is worth. seeing seeing alone i kid you not honestly uh speaking of uh henry cavill he's probably the easily my favorite but probably the best foil and adversary character the series has included yet uh the cia hound august walker strategically his skill set is opposite ethan's which plays into a fun rivalry mission and some of those light comedic notes without being nauseating right uh, and character wise he's just given so much time on screen to shine Cavill is cool he looks menacing he looks intimidating he's got the mustache that sunk the Justice League so <laughs> um, you know this is a bit of uh, film history here <laughs> probably single handed <laughs> the mustache killed the DCU uh, but it avoids that issue of limited spotlight that I've been talking about so far Cavill's just, just a great addition. Vanessa Kirby uh, playing the underworld dealer the White Widow is a great addition too. Yeah. Uh, I really enjoy her character and that criminal side is just handled
followed with the same rule of cool focused. Um, not only did I not expect it, not only are the characters of the criminal underworld a new opposition, a new faction, if you will, to the tension lasagna. Right. <laughs> I like it. Yep. <laughs> I'm down with it. Uh, you're down with the tension yep. lasagna. Cut me off a slice. <laughs> but it's uh, it challenges Ethan as a character in a new way. He's now being challenged morally, which was really maybe it was a slight theme in in Mission Impossible One, just because they were tra- dealing with such like suspicion and and distrust. But um, well, Ethan always was good moral guy. Yeah, absolutely. Didn't want to hurt good people. He it, but it's really present in this. Mm-hmm. Really present. Mm-hmm. It's always about friends. I was worried returning back to this mm-hmm. and kind of these these later ones. That we were going to have, just like Fast uh, relies so heavy on the family aspect, Oh, that Mission relies too heavily on the friend aspect. Good call. And we do, but it's not too nauseating yeah, yeah. when it comes to good guy, good morals, always doing it for the Absolutely. good thing. We, we basically, it boils down to like one, like, he's got to get the team together one, one last scene, time. Or Benji yeah. has some friend thing, or Ving yeah. Rhames or something. Or he's, yeah. he's consoling the women of right. the... <laughs> <laughs> of the story. Right, right. <laughs> He's Mr. Steal Your Girl. Also, let me say, Vanessa Kirby. I mean, oh, wow, what beautiful. a goddess. What a I mean, wow. I don't I don't I think what it is is she doesn't blink and she has these these I mean ice blue eyes. She like perfect for this yeah, character. Yeah. And, and cool, once again, in this white widow weapon dealer. Like it's it's awesome. It's awesome. She works. She, her it just works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're not it's you're actually buying it watching this character. Yeah. The characters and actors in this one, I think they're all hitting the marks. Right. Really good job of casting mm-hmm. and just writing people appropriately. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think just, uh, again, just to recap uh, this 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 criminal underworld, why I'm praising it so much, it would be one thing if it was just kind of some cool style to the film. It it It's using the character, the character we've all known for now was a six, movie six, yep. and putting them in a different scenario that we don't know how it's going to shake out. And maybe it challenges the character itself. Self, you know, in this case, morally, uh, and and trying to align in this other cover work uh, with uh, you know new obstacles, moral obstacles, uh, many with so criminals. many obstacles. Yeah, the tension the, the, was the, on. I, no, that I really loved because Angela Bassett, <laughs> by the way, a revolving door of um, yes, agency CIA directors, yeah. but she's great in it. Yeah, but again, causing issues for Ethan as well. Who, yep. who knows what's going on? So <laughs> yeah, uh, every- IMF is always on the rocks. <laughs> <laughs> they can't keep the doors open. <laughs> The only real miss here, and like I said, a little bit of a flip-flop, is Rebecca Ferguson reprising her role as Ilsa. It just kind of annoyed me. I feel like hmm. she highlighted a slight issue I have in the script of this one where everyone just kind of talks in circles with no specifics. Interesting. The, the quality of really laying out the plan of the mission and the heist slowly, slowly gets shaved away. And... Certainly, this takes a page out of JJ's writing style that they are dropping these planning details and just letting the action play out on screen. Not bad, but a little bit more razzle dazzle than substance. Clearly, the proof's in the pudding. Fallout's a phenomenal film. Yeah. But at the same time, I couldn't help but feel like we lost some substance that I personally enjoyed in the Mission Impossible world. You know, how IMF actually operates. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, we'll get into it a little bit more. It, it is interesting how they're stringing Julia's character on. Or not yeah. Julia's, uh, what is her uh, name? Ilsa. Ilsa's character along. I, I think it's just on a downward slide. I think yeah. where she's best in maybe previous film. Mm-hmm. I don't mind her in this film. Yeah. I kind of like her authority role in it, what she's got going on. But she's always in a new situation. <laughs> we have to spend time figuring out what's Elsa up to now? Who's she yeah. working with? What's going on? I think she's by far weakest in Dead Reckoning. Oh, really? Which we'll okay. get into. Yeah, uh, yeah. So this one, she's still... 
I, I, I'm still fine with that. Yeah. It's, it's it's not a, uh, a negative blotch on the film yet for yeah. me. And I think she was so chaotic in Rogue Nation. Um, oh, it yeah. was it was enjoyable because again she's she's a duplicitous character. Right uh, here, it's just like, yep, I'm teaming up. I think actually in Dead Reckoning, when she's like in the van or something, she looks back. She's like, I'm here again. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like okay, all right, gotcha. I I really can't call anything a major critique here, or even you know group other nitpicks together because again the execution is without a doubt the best of the franchise i actually think the great pairing here for my alternative watch list is three right into fallout for how it revolves around julia yeah. in some ways so that's just my alternative watch list and that's it basically so watch three <laughs> fallout and then if you want to so, it's not really a watch list at all <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but just like I noted before, this crosses a threshold that uh, it can be watched on its own, and that's why I think it just works so well. And and much like my first theater experience, uh, held up quite a bit. We're going to go ahead and give Mission Impossible Fallout a 79. 79, great score. Well deserved. Great score. I was wondering if it was going to take into the 80s there. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm very... We're not going to have much disagreements here, I think, without this whole episode, obviously, but... <clears throat> I, especially with this one. I mean, this is the one that... Yeah, well, the funny thing is, I liked it more watching it... I've only seen this movie twice. Okay. The theaters, and then watching sure. it this past week. Mm-hmm. I liked it more the second time around. Oh, really? Okay. The reason why is because I had I was closer to Mission Impossible 3. Mm. I was days away watching this in, yep. and you're so right. 3 to this, 3 to yeah. 6, total... It's a little bit of a love it's letter. It's an easy jump, and... I was excited for 2018, all the hype around it. I gave it more hype just because I know how much you hate Tom Cruise, and that's just funny. I was talking about yeah. it. Watch just a movie a day. I mean, this, we're, we're back in us. You know, mm-hmm. we're literally just our memes of Tom Cruise <laughs> right, going back right. and forth. Yeah, the inside jokes. So I enjoyed it watching again here. It, it totally don't have much to disagree with. A phenomenal action film. Mm-hmm. I do have a two shoes for this one. Okay. I want to make one comment. All right. I don't know. I, and I I'm, I'm apologize to big fans or <laughs> how I get here, but I somehow I got here. I tell you what, multiple times, half a dozen times, I'm in the, I was watching this. Okay. It's really reminds me of Uncharted, the video game oh, series. Oh, really? Okay. So I, I think it's something about the coloring hmm. and the cinematography and with the sound reminds me so much a little bit of like three and four, Uncharted three and four yeah, yeah, cut, yeah. long cut scenes. Sure. The way they film those and yeah. do it. And even like Tom Cruise's moments. Or movements, I feel very Nate Drakey. If Nate yeah. Drake had a suit on a little bit longer, which mm-hmm. he does in some of the games, sure, sure. I, I don't know. I was really loving it. <laughs> I felt great. like I was dealing with more of a Nate Drake character. Yeah, loved it more than I, the Uncharted movie. That's for sure. <laughs> I don't know yeah, why. Totally real. different things going on, but I couldn't help but but feel it. Felt a little feel you there. video yeah. gaming in a great way. Absolutely. All the act, like I said, what's his name? Uh, the murderer, uh, Alec Baldwin. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> the murderer. <laughs> Ali Baldwin's still good in this. Jeremy Renner's... At least I said right, potential. Right. <laughs> Jeremy Renner's out. I think everyone's kind of firing on all cylinders. Yeah, yeah. Uh, even Ving Rhames is not being overutilized yet. I think he's just right the way he right, is. Right, right. I he's think Benji the... is getting enough love there, <laughs> yeah. what he needs to be getting. And uh, I love the connection from 3. I love... Mm-hmm. We get some of the most depth and understanding of Ethan as a human being uh, in yeah. 3. And the fact that we're connecting that now. It adds weight and volume mm-hmm. to this movie, but... 
Man, yeah, it gets two shoes. One of the laces tied. Wow. Uh, we're in Bond territory big yeah, time on this one. Absolutely. So, absolutely. Right there with you. Love Mission. Loved this yeah. movie. It's it's the one to watch. Believe the hype for yeah, sure. Yeah, definitely. All right, Finn. Okay, so before we get to our last... We're running long here, but I think everyone could assume that. <laughs> but before we get to our last film, folks, we want to remind everybody, we are going off the value-for-value value model. Vin and I, we sit down every week. We host this podcast. We do the newsletter every week, and of course, we have the website going along, kind of a companion piece to it all. Uh, and the point is, are you finding that valuable? Meaning, are you enjoying it? Are you into movies more than what you were a year ago? You're making your own list. Mm-hmm. You know, Are you watching movies and following along with us? That's value to you. And the point is, can you show us some value? back. It's value for value. Basically how you do it, you go to the dailyratings.com, you go to the donations tab, and through monetary support, you show us what value you're getting from the daily ratings. Uh, also, when you do that, you are now an official producer of the daily ratings. It's a credit to your name. You can write in a long note as long as you want, whether it be questions, comments, critiques, love or hate, it doesn't matter. You send that in with your donation. We're going to read it here right on the podcast. We kind of spoke about it last week as well. We have all different ways that you could donate. Mm. We do have the uh, we do have the website, which you can have do one-time donations. You can do subscription kind of based where mm-hmm. it's a monthly or a weekly even that we have. If you're a Venmo person at the Daily Ratings, you want to hit us up at Venmo, go ahead and do that. If you're a podcasting 2.0, you love doing sending Satoshis. We receive Satoshis, whether you have the Strike app or Get Albi or whether you use uh, podcasting 2.0 apps like Fountain or CurioCaster or Podverse or something like that. But uh, we want to make it easy for everybody. We want to make it very accessible to you, whichever way maybe you want to send us some cash and show us basically the value. Uh, we appreciate you all we are approaching the big 100th episode. <laughs> you know what I was thinking this week? What? Well, I was taking a look, and it seems like our Aussie listeners have kind of drifted oh, off. Oh, okay, okay. Or maybe some people just changed their IP address, or yeah. their... Uh... <laughs> Maybe some people just changed the VPN or something like yeah. that. I don't know. But I was laughing because we had a good Australian presence there. And I was thinking, a hundy on the hundy. You know? A hundy on the hundy. That's my big campaign. That's Send great. us a hundy on the hundy, folks. Yeah, the hundy on the hundy. That's great. Uh, anyway, it is our big 100th coming up. And, you know, it's, it's a little bit dry donations lately. That's okay. We're building slowly and slowly. People are listening, mm-hmm. which is great. Another way to contribute also, please tell somebody about it. Whether it's friend, family, complete stranger that you hear talking about movies. Get us in the conversation. That is where we want to be. And we appreciate you all so much. One thing I don't think I ever mentioned in all 92 episodes, I just want to remind people that, you know, are you excited that we're watching these new movies? We watched probably 75 to 85 films mm, this year, yep. new films. That's a lot of movie tickets. Um, so that's a lot of money out of our pocket. <laughs> so we greatly, greatly appreciate any support you all send back our way. Yep. It's a value for value model. It's the dailyratings.com and you can head to the donations tab. All right, Vin. Now, here we go. Here we go. Tom Cruise coming to save the movies again. Uh, can we get the big rant in this one? <laughs> oh, this, that's was, right. this was Latin, you know, this was. We are saving movies. <laughs> I'm on the phone every day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of talky talk on this film for a long time. And uh, I think that does nothing but hurt films. Oh, really? Because it's just, please just give it to me. That's why I'm trying to avoid trailers as much mm. as possible uh, with some of these movies coming out this year because I just, please just give me the film. I don't yeah. want to have expectations. I had expectations walking into this of one. Of course. So we can just kind of get into it right away. But this is the big Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. They're telling you right away. It's part one. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's a new theme coming up in movies, it seems. A lot of people yeah. are doing it. Absolutely. Whether it be cliffhangers or telling you right in the beginning, just like Dune or something. Let's get into it right away, though. How did we like Dead Reckoning, then? Uh, Reckoning was good. It's certainly a very slick-looking mo- movie. I feel like how everything looks, uh, characters, cinematography, they really 
really love bringing back um, some Dutch angles from Mission Impossible 1. They bring back the train sequence from Mission Impossible 1. I feel like this could hit for really diehard fans uh, of, uh, of the franchise. And no real production notes on this one, though, folks. Um, really? Uh, it's, it's the same team at the apex of the series and no doubt supercharged by Fallout's massive success. I would say the only thing I'll note is, like you said, Tom, the blinding part one <laughs> that is on the <laughs> title. Uh, if 2023 has taught me anything, it's that these multi-part movies won't be going away. Uh, Fast X, Spider-Verse, now this. But I think it all boils down to the if the experience of the film earns the two parts. Sure. Spider-Verse earns the two parts. Fast 10 does not earn the two parts. <laughs> so uh, here, I don't know if that's the case, honestly. I have to say right out of the gate that if you want a snappy spy movie, um, this is, <laughs> this is I don't think, the one to go to <clears throat> because the whole movie just does not need to be this long. I think by stretching this story into two parts, the runtime could have been seriously cut down. We could have had more killer content to if you want to even keep the two hours 40 or even grow it to three hours plus but in just, one film yeah. exactly i feel like there just could have been some more killer scenes to it and because of this um just as kind of a blanket from my review every praise in the review is diluted and every pain is ma magnified so when it comes down to it uh, i don't think this was a bad movie by any means and if anything pretty pretty good in a lot of spots but i just could not shake like Man, do I... If it's a two-parter, I don't know, make it a two-hour on the dot. You know what I mean? I feel like there could have been editing decisions in this to make it a lot sharper than it was. I was excited when I found out that this was part one, when I watched the trailer, mm -hmm. when the very first trailer came out, you know, part one showed up at the end. Right. I was actually very excited for it. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was okay when I saw the length, actually. I thought coming off of Fallout, mm. man, they know what works. Yeah. So take that and just build carefully, but build mm -hmm. on it. Mm -hmm. I have to say, after watching it, I came with expectations and left definitely wanting more. Mm. And the reason why I also brought up Dune is when you watch Dune Part 1, mm -hmm. it is a good movie. It is a standalone mo movie. Yes. If you watch that movie and never go to 2, that's mm -hmm. fine. Mm -hmm. It's not hurt at all. Yep. This is absolutely hurt by the fact that there's a second one coming out. Yes. And I don't think it has to be that way. Right. Again, right. I think that comes back to McQuarrie's writing. Yeah. It hurts the movie overall. At that point, they could have just made it snappier mm. because it didn't need to drag. They could have been a banger two hour. Yeah. And four. It could have been a part one, two hour and 43. I know. If you kept, I think, some of the stuff or all of the stuff that makes Fallout so good. Yeah. I think there were elements that were just not there now. Yeah, it was it was dulled. Uh, the praises are dulled because of the runtime. And um, that's not to say, again, the individual moments, the real highlights of the film, they hit very hard, and if if, if anything, in the ways that Fallout hits. But um, just just that was that was my observation, mm -hmm. uh, kind of out of the gate, and what I wanted to kind of set for the review. Uh, as far as uh, Dead Reckoning's plot, we begin with a top-secret Russian stealth tech that is out in the wild, but like the evolving tactics of war, uh, it only invites a bigger fish to take it down. The real threat is an AI entity that is let loose and begins to position itself tactically against the world. 
This super intelligence beat Ethan to it. It went rogue first in this film. <laughs> and uh, I guess I'll say props for right time, right place for capturing the real fear in AI tech at the time. Uh, this is our first kind of uh, AI boogeyman, if you will, in, in film, it feels like. You know, I, 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 was, I was open to this and seeing, I'm hoping to, we see some real substance and where it can go for part mm-hmm. two. When its probability calculations start predicting events before they, before they happen, it becomes much more than a tool for the forces of evil. It becomes the evil itself. The only thing that can keep it uh, out of enemy's hands is a key. That key becomes two keys. And I said, oh, God, it's Beast Wars again. <laughs> <laughs> it's like one key is not a good good enough. It's like, well, what if, what if there's actually two objects? Yeah. So this is where I was saying, tying it back to Ghost Protocol with mm-hmm. the list. I, mm. Just the key thing. It's okay. not the threat itself. Yeah, it's it's not the threat itself, and it's just a lot of it's a lot of keys and pickpocketing keys and <laughs> key talk. It was a little bit of weak sauce. Yeah, yeah. I thought the opener was weak as well. Really? Interesting. Yeah, and I don't think that helped the whole importance of the keys. Interesting. Uh, Apparently, they were going to do a um, an opener not too unlike Dial of Destiny, where they were going to do a de-aged Tom Cruise back in the eighties or something like that. Yeah, I heard that as well. Glad so, they cut it. Yeah. Yeah, Me but too. Corey said that. I don't know how serious he took it. Yeah. He said it did cross his mind. In Interesting. It. But, or maybe tack it on to part two. You know, maybe that's a good, you know, mm, good that's how they're opening it or something like yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. I just, again, we know it's part one out of part two. We mm-hmm. think, we think it's not going to be part three and four or five. <laughs> Please. But the point was, I just thought we were going to have more of a hook. Yeah. Because like, this is the hook for the next two films, not mm-hmm. just this film. Mm-hmm. Thought, I definitely thought it was weak. Okay. Fair enough. I, I, I'm right there with you with it. Uh, and, and definitely just don't like, you know, again, the observation of threat versus potential yeah. threat. Only Ethan can keep it out of enemies' hands here, which this time is literally anyone and everyone. I would say if there's one thing that I enjoyed about the plot and the writing here for kind of kicking this, uh, again, hopefully two-parter off, is the race to power uh, in the story structure. It invites a good way to introduce new oppositions and obstacles without seeing seeming hand or unearned everyone's got eyes on this everyone's got the intel so it really is an arms race for it and i would say that's just a great aspect it just kept on layering and layering new problems that tension lasagna and i feel like it was just some really good action writing and and that i was happy to Mm. see did continue off of fallout even if it's if it's different and maybe not as successful it it's i still call it good action writing so would you say that it is a little bit less successful i I thought the action was not lackluster Mm -hmm. but just Less. Yeah. Less than Fallout. Absolutely. So, again, it's hard to say lackluster because that's how good Fallout was. But everything from the car chasing, even to the train sequence, Mm -hmm. I thought it was a little bit... This movie was meandering more so with Ghost Protocol and Rogue Nation. Mm-hmm. I liked it more than Ghost Protocol and Rogue Nation. I'll say right away. Okay, but it belongs in that pool. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm right there with pool. you, and definitely not standalone. I think the the dis, uh, mm, the yeah. distinguishing line is that can this movie be watched standalone? And that's why I think three and Fallout definitely. I'm, I'm right there with you. So. Yeah, your point to the with the keys and everything like that, mm. and is it we're dealing with so much because there's importance to the keys. Then we have a main bad guy, but he's also just he is representing what is the. Actual Actual bad guy, yep. which which is the entity. And <laughs> if you don't realize that the bad thing is called the entity, don't worry. They will tell you 14,000 times. <laughs> they were worried about if the they, elderly crowd. I not swear, <laughs> if they said the rabbit's foot as many times as they say entity yep. in, in in this compared to Mission Impossible 3, it <laughs> would have taken the polish off those shoes. I'm telling yeah, you that much. Yeah, I would have been for- so annoyed. 
I don't know. I don't know. Into the cell Again, to the writing. I don't know what course. We know what the name of the bad thing yeah, is. Can right. we mix up the language a little bit? Absolutely. It's that pervasive. Yep. We get it's tr- it's. Mm. If anything, have a character maybe be unfamiliar with just it and call it something right, different, or you show know? us more how bad it could be. Stop yeah. just telling. Just yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> when you see, I don't know if people see it yet or not. It's but boy, <laughs> the baddie is the entity. But don't worry, they'll tell you. <laughs> right, right. It's so true. It's they really, they really hit you over the head, and that's where I thought, like, uh, maybe they did that just for like some elderly crowd that's going to see know, this man. on a it's, on an afternoon matinee. You know, it's like trying to sell me. It's like I get it. You yeah, know, I get it. It's a big bad entity. Yeah. Uh, one element that I thought was uh, a definite miss is the gadget tech. Uh, unfortunately, if the opening shows us anything, is that technology of the world has run out of control. If anything, very Metal Gear style. Uh, storyline here. This had me excited within the film, within this runtime in my seat, to imagine how the IMF team would evolve and use technology similar, maybe still be affected by, you know, uh, the enemies using higher-end tech, but evolving themselves and working creatively in new ways, but it it really is barely utilized in this film. I would say the shame is in the moments that we get where the bad guys are using the tech and the gadgets, it's easily the coolest moments of the film, but but it's it's just a shame our protagonists don't get the same. It, it cuts their usefulness. Mm. It cuts the utility of the team in the story. And yeah. this was the only film that I was looking at Ving and um, and Simon Pegg and saying, did they, did they really need to be in this one? I think you Vin know? was in it almost too much because he had he was so dialogue heavy yeah. as far as just supposition and dialogue with the other yeah. characters and stuff like that. And I think Simon Pegg mm-hmm. really took a backseat yeah. with tech and everything, mm-hmm. and that was a shame because yeah. that's missed. Absolutely. And I, these were nowhere, I mean, I didn't even mention in, in previous films, nowhere near a critique. You know, I always love the team. I love the problem solving, yeah. you know. And I, man, I, and they really clearly gave them more of a backseat back seat mm-hmm. just to give Haley Atwell's character Grace yep. more of a front seat and a uh, huge mistake in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I feel like cutting Atwell's character, not that she's bad um, and I have I have some notes on her, but I feel like that was right there. Cut that cut that that storyline, you probably could have made one film, honestly. Yeah, they're trying to build her into something that's pretty important. Yeah. And I'm just not being sold on it. Future of the I'm franchise. Not probably. right. I'm not the biggest fan of that that main female in Ghost Protocol. And I get these vibes from Haley Atwell a little yeah. bit. Um and again, I was a for Rebecca for uh Rebecca Ferguson fan mm-hmm. and she's underutilized and utilized in kind of a weird way. Yeah. And then again, kind of just like, all right, we'll write you in it as well. <laughs> exactly. And it just hurt everything across the board a little bit. We're so focused on building up grace. We're tearing down other characters yeah, now. I agree. Over the last two films, Tom Cruise has been acting more and more serious in the roles, um, and makes sense. the The global threat has been increased, um, but it really does come to a head here. Moody Cruise, as we'll call him, in this. Uh, it's a it's a bit it's a bit much this time around. Uh, like I get, he knows that the world is awful, and that literally no one can be trusted, mm-hmm. but. Uh, it, it just his his attitude becomes bland. I mean, talk about night and day where in 
Mission Impossible 2. Yeah. Can you call the acting good? Probably not, but it's <laughs> it's it's wild. There's electricity know? there. Yeah. Yeah. He is a little bit of a dullard in this one. Exactly. It's hard to say. It's a big action film. Right. But right. still, if you watch these, yeah. Tom Cruise is missing a bit of a spark. Yeah. And I blame some of that on Grayson and that character. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that that's where I kind of come into Haley Atwell coming over from the MCU and and brings out the Moody Cruise because of the pre pre described or or the um predictable I don't want you to get hurt kind of plot threads with yes. any kind of new talent. Yeah. It's not even that well specifically uh, in the performance. It's just that any type yeah. of new talent in this finale is going to kind of sap away from it. I would almost compare it to uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character in Dark Knight Rises. It's like, it's a little hmm. too late to introduce a rookie, I feel <laughs> like. You know, we're kind of we're kind of beyond that here. So, it's for sure continuing with the lessons learned in Fallout, but it just might go a little bit too far as far as that moodiness and that dark uh, yeah. uh, edginess. I think it. overall, with this, there's a lot of, we talk about how we experience different Tom Cruises with these films. <laughs> yeah. He gets a big range in this one. Yeah. We have Moody Cruise, of course, normal action crews we have super serious crews we have magician crews oh, at one point that's a shout out to one. Oh, okay is it yeah all, okay. the, all the card tricks are, are the magician that's Ooh, that's boy, all i was side eyeing i'll tell you what there was <laughs> see a, i think you'll be right with me in watching mission there Impossible was a one. specific dialogue scene in towards the beginning <laughs> and then when he's doing magic tricks in the first yeah. uh, whatever 20 minutes or something like that yeah. i'm like whoa whoa this is not fallout <laughs> yeah, right, right there were no magic tricks in fallout <laughs> It's so true. And then that scene in particular, he goes up to her and he's just like, again, laser yes, guided yes. eyes. <laughs> yeah. This man is a so- sociopath. Like, get him out. He needs to be arrested. I love it. I love <laughs> he's, it. He's scary. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, uh, I'm glad we're on the same page. And I, I guarantee you, you watch Mission Impossible 1, you will be on the same page of, uh, of that review a few weeks ago because <laughs> yeah. it's all about magic tricks <laughs> for sure. It's sleight of yeah. hand. There's some so. things, yeah, things have surprised me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the underlying personal story that builds up here is a boogeyman of Ethan's past, specifically in seven movies, something that we've not seen and comes from his pre-IMF days. So uh, granted, it's real estate for the character. I'm fine with it. Our personal bad guy is played by Isai Morales. Yep. Uh, <laughs> the uh, Before I knew the actor's name, he was Mr. Smooth in the notes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he's certainly cool. Uh, he certainly talks some serious terrorist game. But uh, in a meaty, almost three-hour runtime, we don't really get to see him be menacing, which uh, could have just done wonders. It's it's the same critique that I've been saying so far, but I think it is uh, accentuated. It's magnified a little bit because of the runtime. There was even more real estate to really just show an, an evil bastard uh, and get behind the good guys on this one. Yeah, he was cool, and he was right. cool bad guy. He dresses cool. But he wasn't uh, exactly – you didn't have that, that fear that you could get yeah. off of, that you could sense off of. Of uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman right. or something. No bombs like that. and no heads. Yeah. But <laughs> do you think that it's pigeonholed a little bit because he is just a representative of the actual baddie and him not being the right. main baddie? You know what I mean? It's just like. I totally agree. What are we all doing here a little bit? I, I think that's where it gets muddy because. This personal baddie is Ethan's baddie. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> there's <laughs> there's a conversation with uh, Ring Rames uh, before he kind of splits off, presumably for part two, where he says like, "Are you are you really gonna like control yourself around him?" Right. Uh, and I feel like it's good. It builds it up a little bit, but. I don't know. I, I if anything, I wanted that to have a little bit more of a conclusion to it. While you have the even worse, uh, you know, off in the distance for part sure, two. Sure. Yeah. So maybe it positions two be- 
better. I don't know. I'd be curious to hear from even some folks at home on that one. So there are uh, a kind of last note is a lot more cartoonish elements in this one than I expected. And, and I think mostly in a good way. No joke. The plot feels a little bit anime at times. Uh, if anything, going off of, you know, how you felt kind of video game vibes and in Fallout. Um, this has the same villain as Summer Wars and Ghost in the Shell. You can even throw Metal Gear in there, like I said earlier. Oh, I love this aspect. Uh, <laughs> Ethan basically has superpowers in this, if only short-range teleportation that we never see. He doesn't reveal it to the audience, you know. He's got, like, <laughs> Nightcrawler powers. Um, my girl, Palm Clementef, is yeah. a uniform-wearing assassin. Like, what is this, Kill Bill? Like, this Did you is awesome. like it? Did you like oh, her in it? Yeah. Okay, all right. I, she wasn't great. But okay. I, I, I liked her. I liked her. I mean, I feel like the bar is just set so impossibly high for henchmen by Henry Cavill in the last film. Yeah. It's gonna be it's gonna be hard to reach that. Where I case. was where, where I was lackluster on some in Ghost Protocol, but liked in Rogue Nation. Mm -hmm. Then I really liked in Fallout. Yeah. I'm back to I think Sh Palm was kind of cool. Yeah, but I just don't think done all that great. Shay yeah. Wingham or whatever his name is Wingham <laughs> oh, playing uh, Briggs. Yeah. It's, no, thank you. Yeah, it's almost like cut yeah, the character yeah. completely. <laughs> I thought he was weak, and again, and I thought with Haley Atwell being a little bit weak, I just thought everybody was just not. Not firing all cylinders. Mm, like small we, misses. Like we got in a fallout. I, yeah. don't, I don't know if it was casting. I think in Haley Well, it was. Because Palm looked cool. She she yeah. had the part kind of. But I again, like how manic she is, too. Yeah, a little... Uh, not that it was underutilized, but utilized improperly, kind yeah. of. Yeah. yeah. And that's tough sometimes. And that's a for, bit of uh, across the board for everyone, I feel. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's tough sometimes for henchmen characters like that because they are uh, by purpose one yeah. note like yeah, that. Yeah, but, but yeah, the observation on my end was just that, like, man, this is a cartoon. She's she's wearing uniforms. There's a riddle asking bomb. I'm sorry, what? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so these elements, they may sound critiques. These are actually uh, some positives. Okay. I liked, uh, I don't know, I was... Again, the first hour of the film, I was really excited to where it, where it could go and how cartoony it can get. And I was kind of, I don't know, I was into it, but okay. that's where it just, again, the runtime just diluted every ounce of excitement. Okay, me. let's stick with the cartoony thing, because yeah. I was thinking about you when I was watching this, okay. and I'm going to almost warn people as well. <laughs> the beginning of the film, there is a very long, lengthy dialogue with a lot of different characters, uh -huh. breaking down what the situation is, letting yes. us know what the entity is. Yeah. The weird angles, those Dutch angles, yes. the broken up dialogue and cheatedness of the characters <laughs> and the acting in the script. I'm like, is this on purpose? And it's supposed we're all supposed to know how cheesy this is and enjoying <laughs> right, right. it together, right? Or is this supposed to be serious? Serious? Yeah. I think I, it's a good I, question. I didn't know how to feel about it. I, I and think... I was thinking about you, and I was like, I don't know if there's any way, Vin. You're either going to have a smile on your face, like, I love this, <laughs> or it's just me like, you're kidding me? Give me Fallout. <laughs> it's true. I'm definitely in the camp of Give Me Fallout. I wasn't hating it, though. I don't that's know. That's what uh... I'm saying. It was this dialogue scene, and then the magic. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what's going on <laughs> here? <laughs> You feel it. Yeah. You're like, what is, what? I they give know. this guy this voice? He said it. <laughs> he said that line like this? Yeah, for real. Ah, I don't know. I don't yeah. know. But I, I think um, for to to evolve, I mean, we're already at a, you know, by Fallout, an elite group of the shadow organization elite. How much badder do you get? I feel the cartoonish elements were able to amp it up, if you will, camp it up. You know, yeah. it, it was more campy and what is spy movies but camp? You know I got to be I mean? honest with you. At one point, 
when people talk in different languages, I was always waiting for John Wick highlights or something <laughs> oh, yeah, like yeah, that. Like yeah. it was getting a little, it was getting to be like yeah. a little bit like that. Yeah, definitely comic, cartoony, anime. Uh, but uh, but that's all. Just say that um, you know, I I think some of those elements I was appreciative of and and new new flavors for the franchise this late. Uh, but just got diluted. And um, I feel like these aspects show a lot of promise for how wild and out, la- out there they can go for the plot. But honestly, it stops at a promise because even if you're satisfied for where they go in this movie, it's stopped hard at this part two. It's not as much as a cliffhanger as uh, as Fast 10. That's really the worst. And yeah, also, you're upset about that one. Also, yeah. like, a, a, just a blatantly bad movie, but... Um, what about The Pope's Exorcist? <laughs> that's sequel bait. That's, oh, okay, yeah, okay. That's, that's, that's more franchise bait. <laughs> uh, that's good call. Good call. <laughs> that, that was shameless. Uh, but um, that's where I think I come back. Does it earn the part two? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I don't think it does. This movie's not bad by any means, but it doesn't earn the part two. And for it to earn the part two as kind of ironic as it may sound, it would have to kind of stand on its own. Does, does that kind of make sense? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. that's what I was, I was saying before with Dune, where it does stand alone. Yeah. And it makes that movie so good. The, Absolutely. The, the problem is when you said it, it doesn't warrant a part two, I'm almost in a disagreement. I think it warrants a part two because, man, I need something more. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like at this point, now I need to actually – it's almost like, okay – this was like the point five or something. Yeah, yeah. Did the prelude, mm-hmm. and it was just too long. Yeah. Because now, okay, give me the actual good movie, mm-hmm. and that's what it felt like. This was. We're gonna give you some flash. We're gonna give you some new characters. We're Jesus. gonna we're gonna rearrange some things. Yeah. We're gonna let you know about it. Okay, but don't worry, part two's coming. Yeah. And that's how I feel about it. So I feel it unbelievably necessary because now I actually get the movie I thought I was walking into. Now. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. More hype machine, basically. Yeah. That's, that's the that's the result. So. And like I said, rearranging the chairs a bit and getting us set up for other stuff yeah. with characters and no spoilers and stuff. But for sure. Yeah. For sure. I will suppose uh, the proof will be in the pudding. Much like uh, Fallout is uh, with its ex- execution kind of justifies how really great it is. In no way will a part two will affect the score of a part one uh, for the ratings yep. folks, but uh, we'll see if part, part two can bring it together and, and hopefully at least make a experience that can go on my alternative watch list. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to go ahead and give Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning part one a 69. Wow, 69. Okay. All right, so you liked it better. I'm I'm pretty much right there with you. I'm, yeah. it doesn't get, it's not going to get a two shoes. Yeah, you know, if we saw it in theaters, I would. But they're saw it in theaters together, I would. Mm-hmm. Uh, for this, I just feel it too close, too closely related to that Ghost Protocol and Rogue Nations, yeah. where very different films, uh, good elements, bad elements are so mixed and matched throughout the films, but the same type feeling walking away from it, not yeah. feeling fully fulfilled from it, and characters across the board being. Uh, not utilized properly. I think Tom Cruise was unfortunately having to deal so much with Grace's character mm. that we weren't able to get the Tom Cruise that we love. He wasn't being able to. He wasn't set up for the success of that character yeah. delivering for us. Regardless, Vin, a sixty-nine percent though. All again, all these films doing pretty well. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So the the lowest we're getting is a fifty-eight. What did we give one and two? I'm sorry. Uh, one was I think a forty-four or forty-five. Ah. <laughs> so one is actually the worst. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, it, it's tough because one is such a different beast uh, from what I knew the series to be, what I know now. And it's the first thing. 
it's almost like you can give it you can give it a lot of slack. Yeah, uh, you can give it a longer leash because it's the first thing we have a Mission Impossible that's after the show from mm-hmm. the sixties or seventies or whatever. Absolutely, I think I think the best case and and not that I'm augmenting the score in any kind of way, mm-hmm. the best case for a, a good watching experience with one is to not expect spy action. Instead, to expect straight up spy, and that's questioning your allies, and that's those Dutch angles right, right. and uh, <laughs> card tricks with Ethan, and <laughs> so it's it's much more like just straight espionage, you know, uh, no stunts almost. Don't expect that. Right. Okay. All right. So sixty nine. I hope it it goes up from there. I feel like it's got a lot going for itself now. Uh, yeah. Going to part two. We'll see what happens with that. Obviously, they have an idea where they want to take this story. It's already being pushed back. The writer strike or the actor strike now mm, is pushing big. this film back and, and gonna kind of halt production. We might be again. out of a job, folks. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I um, might actually be able to watch the movies I want to watch. <laughs> uh, so there's a lot going on with that. I hope we get it sooner rather than later. Yeah. If these two are a pair. Let's make it like a two year thing or something Absolutely. like that. Let's not wait this long again. Yeah. But regardless, Vin, looking at these scores, looking at all about Mission Impossible, all seven films here. Anything you want to add on or touch or mm. Roll credits. I would say uh, two quick trailer notes, and then I would say just Captain oh Mission Impossible. Man, I'm excited to revisit Craig Bond specifically just to see how we have a matchup. You know, I, I, love I want it. the title match. Uh, and Bourne. I need you to watch Bourne. Yeah, so that's, that's very true. Very true. Uh, trailer notes, uh, real quick, because we're, we're super long here. No, I have some thoughts too. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, I would say... I was not sold on on the Dune Part Two uh, as much as I love the first one, but uh, that's after why he seeing, texted me. Okay, yeah, after seeing that second trailer, I I, I love it, and now I'm worried I'm overhype. Uh, <laughs> so you know, it's living <laughs> yes, living know. hell. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I don't know if um, uh, how to feel about this, but I I'm just gonna say it. I don't think the new score says he looks great. Okay, uh, Killers of the Moonflower or uh, whatever. Flower Moon, yeah, yeah. It looks more uh, Irishman kind of. Have um, been there, done that with him. I hate to say it about hmm. my boy, but yeah, yeah that, that's those are the and that's nebulous f- thoughts. Okay, all right. And uh, the trailer notes for me. Uh-huh. I was actively. You texted me and you're like, <laughs> yeah. "Did you see the new?" <laughs> right, right. You were like, "You're staying away from the Dune trailer." And <laughs> yeah. I said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." So I went to the. I arrived like 18 minutes late to the film that's on good. purpose last night. <laughs> right. But man, previews now. They're like 30 minutes. I sit down. I got my gummy nerds. Sugar, keep me awake. <laughs> Definitely didn't have problems with Dial Destiny. Right. Uh, but as soon as I sit down, boom, that Dune 2 trailer comes on. Mm. They didn't, I didn't see the first one. Right. I didn't know the actors, some of the actors that were in it. I know. Especially that second trailer, too. Uh, the trailer looks good. I thought the trailer was too long, and it also gave too much. Mm. So I'm hoping Denny had... I don't know. I hope we're being teased in sort of ways, but... I really feel like they're giving away some stuff. Yeah. Didn't appreciate that. Also, Oppenheimer, now that I've seen this trailer multiple times <laughs> in theaters, super worried about Matt. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm with you on Matt Damon. Oh, I my think God. It's, it looks like a bad performance oh, for him. Matt Damon, I'll tell you what. I hope we get, I hope we get more. <laughs> I hope we get more uh, true grit Matt Damon. Yeah. And not Martian Matt Damon. Mm. I also didn't like him in air too much. Okay. Yeah, interesting. I didn't like his dialogue, his speeches with the swelling music behind him. I was not buying what he was selling. Oh, wow. Not picking up what he was putting down. <laughs> and, not picking uh, up the sexy findings. I've got concerns because there's one, and I think you know exactly, one part in the trailer where Max Damon's getting oh, super yeah. serious. It's the most important thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like, I, dude, I'm easy, easy, easy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so worried about that one. And there might have been another trailer too, honestly. I don't remember. But oh, Flower of the Moon. Yeah. Or, uh, Killers of Flower Moon mm-hmm. stayed away from all trailers. Fortunately, boom, got sucked I into <laughs> got sucked into that one as well. 
I agree with you. I'm excited because it's like, wow, De Niro and this is the first film with De Niro and whatever. Yeah, <laughs> and whatever. <laughs> Scorsese. It looks a little bit lackluster. Uh, I'm using that word a lot now. Um, mm. it, it, I'm with you, though. Yeah, it doesn't look great. I get, I might be in the outlier here. I, I liked Irishman. Mm. I think this might more so be a... Um, uh, wow, isn't that uh, funny? Deli- no, not... Del- um... How funny Silence. is that? Silence, Silence yeah. yeah. Which I actually hear good things about. I never yeah. watched it. I like Silence. But I think it's going to hit more so like that. Yeah, yeah. But we'll uh, see. One of the the alternate, the offhand Scorsese's. Yeah. You know. I'll, say, I'll tell you what, the music, though, I could have done the music for the yeah, film. Yeah, I know. Like, this is Tribe Called Red. I found those guys first. Yeah, <laughs> you found that like years and years ago. <laughs> I thought about the same thing. It's so great. Uh, Vin, awesome. Vin, thank you so much for watching all these films. Thank you for I, watching I, yeah. all these films. <laughs> <laughs> you have, boy, you have been in franchise purgatory <laughs> yes. here but you're getting out of it and i can't wait now because we have western month we can finally finally be yeah. released I, i'm gonna expect some great westerns coming up <laughs> gotta watch them yeah <laughs> vin thanks so much for watching these for, for coming by here today folks thank you so much for listening we'll run it down here one more time we have mission impossible 3 with a 72 percent mission impossible ghost protocol with a 58 mission impossible rogue nation with a 66 Mission Impossible Fallout with a 79. And finally, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 with a 69%. Folks, thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you next week on the Daily Ratings Podcast. Hey, if you enjoyed the podcast, if you would, give us a good rating or tell a friend about us. If you're wondering if a film is worth a watch, or if you just like to see more movie ratings from Vince, be sure to stop by thedailyratings.com, where we have our ever-expanding catalog of films. And also, if you found value in the podcast or our site, become a producer and go to the Donations tab on thedailyratings.com. You can donate whatever amount of value you feel you see from us. We're looking to build this into something large and great, folks, but we also want to be independent from those corporate sponsors, so we greatly appreciate any support from you all. So thanks so much, and we'll see you next time on the Daily Ratings Podcast.